What are you making there? I'm making a tincture. All right, I'm there right this. John's digging through his perfect little backpack. <laughs> were you, were you nerdy, say stash nerdy or something? Backpack. God, you've okay. I have to paint a picture here. So you've got your you've got your fancy motorized standing desk all raised up like a bar. You're you're yeah. playing bartender here. So John's got. Hold on, let me move. Is my this screen. three whiskeys or is that is that maple syrup? That's maple syrup. Okay, so there's two Great A maple syrup. Two, is it Canadian or Cursed, Curtis, Vermont? Well, it's got maple leaf on Vermont. it, but <laughs> I don't know if that's Vermont. Is no, it's it Canada. Canada, Canadian. Quebec. Ple- Ples- Plessisville? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Plessisville? All right, so we have uh, two two different bourbons. We do. Two Four Roses, actually. Uh, they're different kinds, though. Different bottles. That, that, that one's a decoy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. See, you're trying to throw me off here. I am. What is, this? is this a test? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I see that. I see the maple syrup. I see uh, some Angostura bitters, a pretty good size orange. That's also a decoy. And I see a jigger, a shaker. It's an interesting shaker you got there. Some fancy, fancy shaker. Business. It's not fancy. It's. I have the the metal cone that you use with a, a shaker glass. A those are glass. cool. Those are, those are authentic. I guess so. I wouldn't even know how to use that. Oh, it's easy. You screw the lid on, and then you shake it, and then you press this button and pour. Okay. So I don't even need a strainer. All right. <laughs> All right, so I brought you a special treat. Wait, wait, wait. I have to also mention, there's this, we have a mysterious brown bag. You're going to build that up to be something more than it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the brown bag. That's what I'm most excited about. No, the brown bag really is nothing. <laughs> it's like a trash bag. It, it is that's not- another brown bag. No, I just, <laughs> I just didn't want anybody in the in the office to know what was in here because I was afraid they'd take it. It's like the Russian doll, the the brown bag of Russian dolls. What are those called? <laughs> There's uh, a name for those. Yeah, there is a name. The ones where they stack in, inside yeah. each other. Yeah. All right. So Jeremy, it's a new year. I, I I have this like speech prepared, so so bear with me. Oh wow, okay. And I have a feeling you're gonna know what this is, so it's gonna it's gonna get ruined because you already know what this is. The drink, the chemistry. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm gonna present it as I present it to all other people who I've been able successfully been able to trick with this, and to say, Jeremy, it's a new year. Everyone's concerned about their waistline, so I thought we'd do a little fat washing in this office today. Fat washing. Wow, I've never heard that term before. You've never heard that term. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of when you when you hear fat washing? Well, is it similar to like whitewashing, where you because whitewashing <laughs> is like when you kind of pretend that something's not there that's there. You try to like you know pave over it. Maybe so. What fat washing is you just pretend you're not fat. <laughs> <laughs> that's every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze into my jeans. Yeah, I'm not fat. Yep. I, I just yell at my wife, you shrunk my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with this mirror? It doesn't make me look good. <laughs> no, so so fat washing is, is actually just a term for kind of infusing alcohol with uh, some kind of oil or fat. We should, we should stop and say, for, for people who are joining us for the first time, <laughs> we actually do talk about cloud computing and software development and things of that nature. But, yeah. but we often have these, what would you call these? Tangents? Tangents. Yeah, that's what we usually call them. Flourishes. Yeah, these flourishes. These ex- escapades into alternate topics to keep things interesting. All right. So what I have here is a fat-washed bourbon. And it has been fat-washed <laughs> with bacon. 
<laughs> so this is a bacon-infused bourbon. I picture like a a distillery like in the rack house with a bunch of fat guys in there just like washing down some barrels or something. <laughs> is that what this is? Well, I actually made this myself. <laughs> okay. I fast, I fast washed it. Are you serious? I did. Is that why I see like chunks of bacon floating in there? Well, there is because I, I wasn't successfully able to strain out all the, the fat oh. that... that, that um, uh, I guess congeals in it, so there'll be some residual caloric action in these. There uh, is. So, so the idea behind this is is you get you get an infusion of the flavors from whatever oil or fat you put into it. In this case, it's going to be bacon. Uh, more specifically, a applewood smoked bacon. Okay. And, and did um, you smoke this bacon yourself? I did not smoke okay. it myself, okay. but I did cook it. Well, my wife cooked it. Okay. Okay. So this is a, this is a group effort. <laughs> Good. This was a group effort. It's a family affair. Um, and so you, so you allow it to infuse, and then you you freeze it so that the fat can kind of congeal, and you can separate it. Yeah. And you can strain it out. Um, my understanding is, and I agree with it, is that it changes the mouthfeel of the alcohol. So you get a bit more smoothness to it. Um, some people say it's thicker, but it's just more of that kind of feeling that you get from from that. And you do do get the flavors, at least in my opinion. It's subjective. But I do I do get the sense that I've eaten bacon after I take that. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to make a old-fashioned. This is actually a recipe from uh, PDT. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with PDT. It's, no. a, it's, a, it's a speakeasy in New York. So okay. apparently speakeasies are the new rage. The secret bars. <sighs> like they were where like you, seven years ago. But yeah, like the, the hipsters go and you're yeah. like, oh, I got the super guard. And, uh, and you have to know that there's like, it's not, they're not marked at all. Right. So you have to know where to go. Yeah, you have to know where to go and the secret handshake. Exactly. And, you have to know, where to, which you know door to knock on. Yeah. <laughs> and you get your like food from some hole in the wall, which in, in no other situation would you be like, yeah, I'm going to go to get my food out of this weird hole in the wall. And it's literally a, a hole yes. in the wall. <laughs> this is not a metaphor. <laughs> well, because I mean, back then, you know, during Prohibition, it, that's what it was. You yeah. know, there was a hidden bar in the back. And if you wanted something, they would just kind of pass it through this hole that they made. Hmm. Um, so they're trying to replicate that, that feeling that, you know, that sense of wonderment. So anyways, I'm going to start making this for Jeremy. It's like the the glow food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be busy trying to remember this recipe, so you're gonna have to narrate, I guess. Uh, I am putting in a fourth. All right, okay, yeah, I'll narrate because this this is not great podcast material here. So John is dosing out into his jigger uh, some amounts of this quality grade A, a, a fourth of an ounce syrup. Okay, yeah. quarter of an ounce uh, of maple I syrup. I didn't think this through. My Jigger on one side has the measurements, and the other side for the actually, I'll do two one ounces. That's what I'll do. Okay, so you need two ounces. Yeah. So two ounces of this bacon infused bourbon, right? What's right. the what's the base bourbon here? This is a Four Roses. Uh, I guess it's considered yellow label. I okay. think that's what they call it. Uh, but it's just Four Roses bourbon. Uh, so, I I I was kind of unsure what bourbon to use. Are we going to publish the recipe in the show notes? There will be a link okay. to the recipe, which, so far, also, which also describes how to fat wash your bourbon okay. or your whiskey or your alcohol because there's all the different kinds. Really? Okay. There's actually a scientific method to this. I don't know if you know this, but the, the molecular structure of alcohol on either side of the chain, it, 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 I guess it's considered, I'm not sure if it's polar or what, but one side of it is water-soluble. Water the other side is oil or fat-soluble. So, which, is, which is why alcohol makes, and we're speaking of ethyl alcohol here, right. is a, or ethanol, as some might call it, depending on the application it's a great um, like solvent. That's why it's used for extracts. Like if you want to extract all the flavor out of vanilla beans or almost anything, cacao nibs. <laughs> I've actually I've actually made cacao uh, 
extracts before. Tinctures. I love tinctures. that word. Tincture. What are you making there? I'm making a tincture. A tincture. All right, so I'm going to let this sit because it's... So you put ice in there and you're shaking. Now you're shaking it around. So we're still just at quarter ounce of uh, maple syrup and a couple ounces of bourbon, right? That's all we got. Right. Okay. Um, the rest of it is I'm just going to cut a bit of orange peel to zest. And for a garnish, I'm going to... Channel, John's got a fancy channel knife, which I recognize. That's the one I got you, right? Yeah. So if you don't know what... Oh, I see the... I just see orange shooting... Orange oil, like, shooting into the air. Like, it's I know. awesome, actually. <laughs> I feel it. It's actually yeah. all over me. You're going to smell good, like oranges. <laughs> and then what's in the secret bag is my... Is it, It's not infamous. My famous clear... John's, Spheres of John's ice. famous clear ice that he brags about all the time. <laughs> that is a clear ball. It John is. has some clear balls here, folks. <laughs> I mean, that is. That's very clear. It doesn't even look like ice. All right, so I'm pouring it out. Okay, yeah, you're, you're pouring your... You're straining your... your Substance into you a glass. I see you. So I did it twist, twisting your orange peel there to to get all those limp, yummy oils into the drink. All right, and he's now he's passing it to me. Wow. Okay, we have to do. We have to Instagram this. I don't. Even, I don't even think I have Instagram. <laughs> Let me see if I can get a good photo. All right. Yeah. So you do the twist of orange for the aromatics and to kind of get the oils into it, and then you put you. You can take that same same orange peel you twisted. And just drop it in there, but I like I like the strip. It's just nicer. Yeah, it looks nice. It's prettier. That's what the ch- so people people don't know because I didn't really know until a few years ago. A channel knife. Mm-hmm. It's not really a knife. It doesn't like it cuts through things. Right. But it produces these long thin strips of citrus peel. I mean, I I don't know. I see them used on citrus. You can use them on a lot of things actually. I see people use them on make all kinds of fancy zucchini and cucumber weird stuff and. Right. All right, I'm gonna try it. That's tasty. I mean, the aromatics from the orange are just, as soon as you bring the glass within a foot of your nose, are huge. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole point of the twist, right Right as a finisher, is that it's it's there. So this has the bacon, huh? Yeah, and I, I, was, I haven't tried this. I mean, I've, I've tried the, the whiskey on its own and kind of comparison tasted, and I, I, you know, like I said, I did get the bacon flavor, but I'm curious about what happens when you put it into the drink, if you get that smokiness, if you get that that flavor. I feel like if, if I do, it's very subtle. I'm not sure if you didn't tell me that I would... That you would know, yeah, right? Yeah. What about mouthfeel? Because I think that's the biggest thing that people say about no, the whiskey. it is very... Um, it's very coating, more coating right. and softer, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. Toss that. And there is there is some sheen on the top, but I don't know whether that's from the bacon or it could be from the orange oil. It could be from the orange oil because I mean, it, when you twisted it, you can see that oh, yeah. spritz. You can catch, you can light that on fire. Oh yeah, I like to do that A little parlor trick at home when people are over. I've been busy talking. I forget which stage in the process I'm in. I almost <laughs> forgot my bitters. Uh oh, that's did, an did important. You, oh, part. I just, did you put bitters in here? Yeah, you didn't. Okay, because I, I forgot to narrate that part. In terms of dashes, it says two. I usually kind of do three because I never that first dash never seems to be the right kind of dash. Yeah, it's like priming the pump. Almost. Yeah. So you, you, I usually do three just yeah. to kind of make sure that I got it in there. In fact, I think that's the Angostura you bought me, I think. Or you bought me something else. Bro- brokers? Bokers? Oh, Bokers. Bokers. Yeah. Um, that's like an ancient uh, 
bitters, not ancient, like a hundred years ago that went out of production for like eight years. And then there's a couple of companies that make it now. One of them's Dr. Elam Grab, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, which I think is a British thing. You can get on like Amazon. Or they're kind of expensive. It's like 20 bucks or 20 or 30 bucks for a little, you know, maybe a three or four ounce jar of it. Ugh, it's going all over my but face. But if you care about history and cocktail history and stuff, you, you know, it's just, it's a requirement. <laughs> I have like a whole shelf of bitters in my house. <laughs> I'm just a bitter whore. <laughs> <laughs> I love puns. All right. How much um, of that drink did you drink already? Hardly any. I always love that twist. If you've never twisted an orange or, or like a lime or lemon or something, a citrus over a drink, you're, it, it's amazing how much comes out of that. Well, <laughs> a lot... <laughs> A lot of times I will start with, I'll, I'll get like a section of, of like orange peel or something like that, right? And I'll just, I'll, before anything else goes in the glass, I'll just squeeze it all around the, the wall, inner wall of the glass. To that, I was actually supposed to the do whole that. Glass, right? I was supposed to no, do it around the no, edges. I completely forgot. Yeah. In fact, I'll do it to mine and not yours. There. The size ball is amazing though. How do you get them completely clear? Because I don't think mine come out clear like this. Do you have a special? I have a special tool. That will allow me to make them clear. And really, when it comes to clear ice, if we want to talk the science of clear ice, it's all about how fast you freeze it and the direction you freeze it. Yeah. You really want to freeze it unidirectional because that pushes any kind of impurities and air bubbles out. Yep. And, and the portion that freezes should be clear because of that. Yep. So. You can freeze fast. In fact, I looked into getting one of these ice makers that makes clear one-inch cubes. And they freeze fast, but it, it's a directional freeze, so it, it quickly forces everything. It's, and it's mainly, you know, people talk about impurities and all that, and I guess to some degree, if you have like a ton of, watch this, I don't know where this is. Oh, you're close. I need to teach you what the word no means, mister. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. It was, it was programmed. Oh, see, I, that's why you don't get the programmed desks, because they're dangerous. Are we cutting this or are we explaining what happened? No, we had a little, we had a, we had an almost disaster of, a, of motorized desks here. Ugh. Um, what are we talking about? I don't know. I, I lost everything after I almost destroyed our equipment. Um, yeah, I forget. All right, let's, um, let's get into some news. Am I clear to drop it anymore or worse? I'm um, stuck. I think so. You tell me if I'm okay. Yeah, go ahead. Just going to manually drop it. It should, it should always be manual. That automated stuff scares me. <laughs> well, it scares me now. No, I mean, what if, like, what if someone's finger was caught under something or someone, you know, just, I don't know, like something like that happens. Like it just, it's on its own. Like, well, it's, it's, it's not it. fully automated. I had to press it, but there's a, there's a delay in when I release. And when it stops. That's dangerous. What if your car was like that? Oh, we see you let up the gas pedal, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> well, soon you're not going to have any control because it'll all be automated. Yeah, you won't so. even be driving, Jeremy. Okay. Did you see that uh, Financial Force got a new CEO? I did. That was on my list. Do you know who it is? Uh, Heroku guy. <laughs> Todd Nielsen? <laughs> Heroku. Heroku. We had, uh, of course, my soundboard is all messed up these days, but... Uh, yeah, he had, he had some good metaphors for us. A toy box. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess um, financial force is his new toy box. He's tired of uh, tired of Heroku. 
Heroku. Heroku. Toy box. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the story was with that. You know, the, the, the Jeremy Roche, I guess, I think it was the other CEO, and I don't know. Well, you know, from what I understand, there, there was no ill will towards him or anything. It's just they, I think, it, it was weird how they described it. They described it as him wanting to, or him needing, or how much t- time and effort and sacrifice he made to get to where they are now. Right, he wants to spend more time with his family. spend more time with his family. Yeah. And we all know that's code for, yeah, they they yeah. just didn't think they could go any further at this point with, yeah. with him. I mean, who knows? Who knows? A lot of times, I mean, so their financial forces at what, $100 million in revenue, I think is what it, or annualized revenue, which is pretty much how people normally refer to revenue. I don't know why this Forbes article has to refer to annualized revenue. Because it's Forbes. I know. We know about Forbes. <laughs> Any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. That's got to be our most played clip. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times what it takes to get a company from, you know, A to B, it requires a different person to take it from B to C. Did that make sense? You're well, unless you're Mark Benioff and you, you, you well, rode that, that pony all the way to the top. Right. I mean, not everyone could be the king of San Francisco. I wasn't being sarcastic. I was I'm giving not either. props. <laughs> He's going to be on the 40 under 40. <laughs> Not everyone is willing to buy anything either. I'm willing to buy anything. Maybe that's why I still see you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Financial force. Uh, he, so this guy, Nielsen, Todd Nielsen, is that his name? Says he's uh, looking for, he was looking for high growth cloud companies with more than 50 million in revenue for his next gig instead of going the startup route. Well, and then I, he said there were fewer companies that met that description than he expected. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I guess, why he didn't make it very far from the mothership. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's I mean, true. Did we ever figure out, was he kind of forced out of out of Heroku Salesforce, or did he just... No, I don't think so. I, I, actually, I, weird. I think more conspiracy theory. I, I think, because um, I've always said Financial Force, it's odd that Salesforce hasn't bought them. I, I wonder if this is one of those plays where Salesforce puts someone, again, this is just me talking... That's just what this is. It's this is just talking. me talking. Okay. I don't have no inside notes. I'm just saying, right. I'm just saying, what if Salesforce is like, yeah, we kind of like financial force, but we need them to do some certain things or do grow a certain way or or be a certain level at a certain level or do certain things to be attractive to us. And maybe that's that's someone who can do that for them. And they can bring financial force into it and they can say they're ERP. Which they do consider themselves ERP. I know you said last time that maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but Everything, everything published around them says they're ERP. Yeah, I mean, NetSuite calls itself ERP too, and I, I'm not saying I'm not saying they don't claim them to be ERP, but, and I don't know what I mean. I don't know what it takes to be considered ERP. I mean, I know. Well, like I, I did mention they they had added um, hu, uh, human capital. What do they call it? Or sorry, human resources. Right. <laughs> HR. Yeah. The new word, the, the, the new the word, though. The correct way of saying that is HR, Jeremy. You can't use the resources word, so you have to use HR. No, it's it's human capital now. Oh, which is, that's right, is human that, capital. That's even oh, worse, though. That is. People are not resources. Um, they're not resources, they're capital. Exactly. <laughs> like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> they're just stock. Stocks of goo in a warehouse. And 55-gallon drums melted down to be uh, reconstituted <laughs> as necessary when tasks are needed, needed to be done. Right. Anyway. Yeah, so I don't know anything else about that. I just thought it was uh, 
good, good to see our good old buddy Todd Nielsen land somewhere. We have to talk about Trello. Trello. Use Trello like, right? Uh, I've used it before, but not, not... Oh, you don't? You're not a regular user? Okay. No. What, what do you think of Trello, or just from your experience with it? I liked the the Kanban... I guess we're calling it Kanban. The Kanban view. They don't even have a Kanban view. It's just lists of cards. Yeah. That's what... You can use it as a Kanban. Right. Totally you can use it as a Kanban, but they don't... They certainly don't prescribe how you use it. And it's odd, because I didn't really care for, for the way it was... The, of using it that way. Yeah, I moved to Asana, which was task-based... And then they well, introduce they introduce a Kanban, a dashboard styled interface, and I love that. I don't I don't know what it was about what Asana did that I loved that I didn't like about Trello. So Trello is one of these pieces of software that's for nothing in particular. It it has no it has no domain. It has no opinion. Yeah, it has it has no purpose. I think I made mine too sweet. I'm gonna put a little more. Is that your excuse for pouring? You know what I hate about direct pouring from the whiskey jug. You know what I hate about this sweet. You know what I hate about this bottle is is it's it's a twist top. John, if it's too sweet, why don't you put some more bitters in it? That would be the logical thing to do. So I'm going to use a different bottle to pop the cork <laughs> to get the sound. It, put more bitters. I, I'll do both. Oh, Fitbit, that's a lot. Yeah, marker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to set a marker every time you say marker, and I'm going to bleep all you all the time you say marker. Like I don't, You tell me how to do my job. That's what it is. It's insulting. <laughs> what if I just stood by you watching you cut semicolon? Closing bracket. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me today. Oh, man. I am in a mood. Um, no, I, so, yeah, Trello is... is it, it's, doesn't, it's not meant to solve any particular purpose. Like, they, it's this piece of clay right that you can mold however you want to whereas asana is for project management like you know what i mean like getting stuff done like there are built-in notions of projects and tasks and percentage completion all that kind of stuff and trello doesn't really have that it's just like this but that's weird because that's kind of what i wanted i just wanted something to put my tasks in i don't want it to have an opinion yet for some reason i ended up with something with an opinion and loved it it's it's weird because, and I guess it goes back to the whole Apple thing, you know, when they when they came out with the iPhone and the touchscreen. No one asked for it, but yet they put it out there and people are like, I have to have this. I, I think in our heads, we think we don't want something with an opinion, but oftentimes it's easier when something has an opinion. Okay, so <clears throat> I like when things have an opinion because usually those are the things that are the best made. Like opinionated software, right? It's usually, the it's it's well done. There's kind of nothing worse than software that doesn't have an opinion sometimes. Lightning has an but, opinion. Do but you the, agree with Lightning's opinion? I don't know. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. This isn't a Salesforce podcast. Right. <laughs> no, the, the, okay, so I think the great thing about Trello is that it, you know, I, I often talk about software that's either made for people who are buyers of software and then software that's made for people who are users of software. And I felt like since day one, they set out to make Trello for people who were going to use it. It's one of the, one you know, one of the most easy to use, intuitive, pleasant. It's pleasant to use Trello. Whereas Jira, for example, if we're talking about software to help you, you know, manage the development of software or bug tracking or whatever, like Jira's got every feature under the sun. It's got Kanban. It's got task tracking and release management. It's got all this stuff, right? And, and all kinds of customizable fun stuff. fun to can, use. You can customize it with custom where statements and Java code and all kinds of stuff, right? But, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's 
like it's made for uh, Jira feels like it's made for management. You can manage the shit bit out of a project with with Jira. Yeah. Whereas Trello, it's not really it's like almost that. like Trello's not set up for like all kinds of different levels of access and forcing you to go through certain steps in your Kanban. Trello is just like, hey, you can have lists and cards and you can have users. And it's up to you guys to figure out how, it's up to you guys to, have to work as a team to figure out how you want to use this thing. But if someone wants to go rogue they can, or someone's just, you know, being a moron or whatever, yeah. or if your team hasn't gelled, <laughs> then people can use it wrong and there's and there's you can't really enforce things very well and and also basic things like getting if you want like a unique identifier on your cards like there's you know you have to have some hacky chrome plugin or something to, to right. show the card ID yeah so it's but it's you know I don't know just there's a, a kind of a group of us who have switched from Jira to Trello and most people just love it but if you really need that management, if you really want to enforce your laws, you know, because you don't trust, again, it goes back to process versus people. <laughs> don't trust your people? Well, you better have a damn good process and you better have software that will enforce that process. You need an enforcer. And Trail is like, hey, we don't do enforcer. You want someone to enforce something, you go to Jira or one of these other things, get a sauna. Well, sauna doesn't really enforce a process, but it, it gives you these buckets. Well, sauna, and what, what okay, I like well, about a sauna is a sauna. Asana kind of kind of realizes how projects on a larger scale work in that the way you organize it and the way someone organizes it for themselves isn't necessarily how someone else wants to organize it. So it has this concept which, which is not new but refreshing in that you can manage a project. There's a project, say, for, I don't know, come up with a project name. Come up with a project name. Um Jeremy's soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jeremy's soundboard, and you have a bunch Doesn't of like, exist. you have a bunch of tasks on that soundboard that you want me to get done. Yep. And I have my, and what I can do is I can set up my own project, and I can style it however I want. It can be a task list, or it can be a Kanban view, a list view, a draggable tiled view. However, yeah. you want to, whatever so you so want to call they've that. They've jumped on the Kanban bandwagon. They have, yeah. yeah. And what's interesting about that is, is that the task can exist on your project, but you can also enable it or assign it to my project, to my Kanban view. And so I can manage it however I want to manage it and move it through my statuses. And then I can independently modify the status of that activity between what I consider where it's at and where you consider where it's at. And I, I know that sounds more complicated. That sounds like a disaster. It sounds like more maintenance, but it, it, it ends up not. It ends up allowing me to work the way I want to work and allowing you to track the way you want to track the project. Because <clears throat> I'm doing what I want to do and you're doing yeah. what you want to do, yet we're both working on, we're both seeing the same thing. Hmm. It, it's weird. It, it, it seems fourth dimensional weird, but it, it works. I, I en I've enjoyed using it that way. Yeah. And I have advocated other people use this tool so that I can continue to do that. Yeah. I haven't looked at Asana. Maybe I should look at their things. Uh, last time I used it, it was a very well, I have to say, well, very well done, fairly, fairly pleasant implementation of your typical 
project management software, PERT, you know, critical path method, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got tasks and do and percentage completions and budgeted cost of work completed and all this crap. All these due dates and subtasks. Yep, and, and sub and predecessor yeah. tasks. And it's just all the BS. You, you can get crazy and, with it. And the but. reason the reason I, I sound like I'm down on that, and I kind of am, is because, you know, I, I build software for a living. And that model of managing things doesn't fit the way, in my opinion, software is is successfully built. Or the way software wants to be built. And when when you say software, what do you mean? An application? No, whatever, mean, whatever I'm working on, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when you talk Things, about when you talk about Salesforce and, and software, it's not like you're well, I, I guess in some cases you are. But anecdotally from from the things that I get assigned, it's it's this this piece of functionality that we need to build. It's kind of isolated. It's this one-off thing for this customer, and it has this this path. Okay, so for that. And how many? How many? Can can you measure this project in man months? No, person months. Okay. No. So wh- my question is, is: Why are you using a project management software? Just to keep keep track of the tasks. It's 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 a it's a list. It's 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 almost like a, a flood. You get this flood of mini tasks. I still and, think you're using the wrong tool, though. No, no. I, I mean, well, I don't think okay. so because it helps me well, keep track of what I need to get done, l- prioritize it, and get it done. Let me, I guess uh, I'll rephrase. I, you could, I guess you probably could use Asana for that. That's not really what those are built for. No, I agree. And that's not why I chose Asana for to do this. That you, know, that, you know what would, might work better for that is almost like a, a help desktop app. Like an issue comes in and you kind of work and it's done. It's, you know, whereas Asana, the, the, the market they were going after, at least when they started, was the, the thing where, you, you know, you kick off, a, you're starting a project and there's all these people working on it and it's, it's going to be an 18-month thing, and you've got these phases and milestones, all these predecessors, and you're you're trying to figure out for the amount of work that's done, how much have you eaten of your budget and all that stuff, you know, and, and all these interactions with a bunch of people. That's, you know, classic project management. And what you're talking about is a, a very small scale. Like, you don't start out with this big project. It's just like, oh, a oh, task came in that... that, that Yesterday, no one even knew about. It was not even on any radar, right? It's just, and I, hey, I'll, I'll do this task, and it'll take me two days, eight days, whatever, but something like that. And it's, it's just me. And, and when I'm done, I'll move it to this done thing so that uh, this other person can see that it's done. And then, and then we move, and then it's done. And then we kind of move on. And this maybe another task will come through later. And you're, you're not set. You're not laying out a project plan no, over the next eighteen months. Yeah, we're not using it in terms of a project plan. And I. I I think that's to Asana's credit. Wait, does this does the thing you work on like does it have an end date? Like is this no, project going to end? God, no. Right. So okay. So no. that's that's what I'm saying. Like you're you have a continuous. It's a stream. It's a stream of tasks. A, a stream is a great right. way, great okay. way of putting it. It's it's this stream of of information that we need to keep track of. There's there's information relating to an activity that we need to keep track of. And yeah, we could do Google Docs. We can do all this kind of stuff. But really, at the end of the day, I just want to be able to see what I have to get done today. And when I'm done with that, what's on the what's on the dock it, what's on the parking lot that I can pull from to say, okay, I'm going to work on this next. That's all. The parking lot. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm using all these weird, <laughs> bastardized terms, but they are what they are. So um, Everyone understands what they are. Oh, John, why aren't you guys using, you know, a Salesforce for this? You have this, you know, data, you know, what platform as a service, <laughs> this database in the sky. Well, we don't have time to build it. You have to build that. We don't have time. Aren't there, but there's all these, well, how about uh, Milestones PM or uh, Task Array? 
But they want you to work. They're, they're very opinionated. They're very opinionated on how you work and Gantt charts and all this kind of stuff. They're, they're for projects. Well, where Salesforce, you have, has, Salesforce has tasks, just create tasks. You know, something comes in, create a task for someone, and they can see the uh, progress of it. And, it's just, it's just okay. doesn't work. Yeah, I'm just wondering why do you with, think with Salesforce Sauna, isn't good the, enough? I, I don't know. With Sauna, <laughs> it's like so quick and easy to get started. I, can, I have it on my phone. I have it on my my. My computer, I have it on my iPad. I I can get to it. I Asana, can get to it. Okay, I can then, do all this thing. I was gonna say. I mean, <laughs> gotta, it's easy. You gotta I, say Asana is well done. All right? I have it, to do is sign in, it, and, and I'm there. Oh, oh, it's, one, it's, of, one of my favorite features. Hold on, I gotta say this. One of my favorite features is I have multiple Asana accounts. John's getting giddy here. I have like ten different Asana accounts. My private, you and know, they make it easy to deal with all my this? clients' Asana account. Is it single sign on. It is single sign on. I can. Is I can, it well done? Or I is can it? choose a workspace and and. You know, I, I, it's one login. I log in once. Oh, log in once. That's nice. and from there I can choose whatever so they workspace. Man, they manage the single. They manage. All nice. I have to do is 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 click on my picture, and it brings a drop down of what workspaces I have, and I click on that one, and I go into it, and I see all my projects and everything. It is so nice. I can just toggle between the two. Um. So let's go back to Trello just for a second because I wasn't quite done. Um. I thought we just decided Asana rules Trello, <laughs> or I did. Asana. Well, I mean, I think they're different. They're no, they they are different. They're, they're so different. You can't and even even, them. even for this client where we're using Asana heavily now. We started out with Trello, uh, mainly because of the Kanban view. We liked that aspect of it. We liked the the list aspect of it. Um, but in terms of managing different streams of cycles and things, it just wasn't really easy to kind of task switch between the two. Yep. Um, it just got really. Uh, tedious to maintain those lists and those the activities around those lists. There's, and there's some, I mean, I, I, again, Trello is kind of great because it's it's just this free form mm-hmm. set of set of really well done tools. But simple things like, for example, it's a really good idea to not. Well, you know this because you've kind of studied uh, some manufacturing process stuff, whatever. But you don't. You never want to have like a lot of work. And the more work in process you have, you know, the bad things happen. You want to yeah. keep your work in process minimal. Yeah, and you know that industry ruined whip for me. I cannot stand whip. the word whip. Well, that's what it is. Whip. I, the only reason I, I say this because I'm afraid people don't know what it means. But yeah, it's your whip, right? I, I just I can't process. stand that. I can't stand that word. Really? In fact, one in fact, <laughs> one of my one of my Kanban lists was a, was worded whip, and I asked for it to be changed to in progress because I could not stand the word whip. Yeah, I, I don't put whip on my in my column levels either. I just yeah. and, or you know building, working something, something more specific. Um. But anyway, I mean, so I won't get into why having a lot of stuff in WIP is bad. It's just, it's from a process perspective. You, it, it lengthens your feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that can go wrong. So you want to keep it minimal. And for example, Jira has this great feature where if you're, especially if you use their Kanban feature, you can say for each different column, you can say only three things can go in here. And as soon as someone tries to drag a fourth one in, it says, no, you can't. You've already got too much stuff in the work process. Or you can set it to allow it, but show that column as red, like something's wrong, mm. which is great. And that's something yeah. you just can't do in Trello. At least I don't think you can. And also like release management. You know, in, in Jira, you can say, okay, so in this sprint, we did, you know, like you can look at the done column and see all these things we've did. Now we'd like to like release that as that was release number 36 and just release it and then get it off the board. And that goes into some, and then you can see your history of releases, but none of those things that are released are on your board anymore. You don't want that on your board anymore, right? You know, I struggle with that even with Asana. Is is we get it to that that done state, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do with this. Okay, so that's what's sitting and that, there, and that's when you have to have software that's built for this, for yeah. that idea of releasing something, you know, grouping it to a release, and then getting it off your board. Yeah. 
and that's just another example of something that uh, Trello just doesn't really do. Now, I did I, I, the other day. I googled like, how, how do you do release management on with Trello? And there's people that have written you know blog posts on, hey, here's how we do release. So there's there's probably ways to do it. Maybe you maybe you have another board, separate board that's you know on a stack for each a, a list for each release or something. I don't know, but I don't know. At some point, it's just like, shouldn't we be using a software that's made for what we're trying to do <laughs> instead of just slowly but surely yeah. like building one ourselves through just pain and suffering? But then, but then you start getting into the cycle of okay, well now I got to evaluate all these different software package management tools, and which one do I pick, yeah. and what does it do, and then you get, you just get into this this whole new cycle. Yes, paradox of choice, or yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly, yeah. But um, no, there was so, so I mean I don't know. Jira is it's good, I guess, but it's also kind of got a bad reputation because uh, it can be it can be obtuse and. It can they, be, it the can API be, is kind of hard to work with. I've never used our API, so it, I know. it's um. There's really no concept of of like the SQL query, which I think Salesforce got perfectly right. I mean, in, in terms of being able to to expressively define what I want to query, it's it's SQL like in terms of its syntax. But but Jira doesn't have that in their API. It's you know you get an ID or you get a list of something. It's it's very kind of um I don't know what the right word is. Well, there's places in Jira where you can actually. You can plug in SQL, literally SQL. Well, I'm just talking about interacting with the API. Like there, there are times where you know customers have asked us to integrate with Jira and Salesforce and all these different things that need to interact with, and it wasn't like I could query and say, "Oh, show me this this thing okay. in Jira, Jira with this this date and this this and this." No, I had to basically pull down a list and then and then filter that list mm-hmm. out secondarily, or in a separate process, post processing. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, you know, even though it's it's Feature rich and everything. Again, it comes off as being created for uh, project managers and and team managers and in management, not so much people who use it. And there's all kinds of just you know rough edges and things that aren't pleasant as a user. And, and um, th- there's a guy uh, I, I saw this on Twitter. His name's Michael Neal. He's like, I, don't know, I feel like I've known him forever. He's like a Java developer, but he said. Uh, I look forward to Trello having the world's worst CAPTCHA that loses one hour of work when you try to save something that was, quote, auto-saved, right? So it's just like these just usability fails that this typical enterprise software has. And now, great, now we're going to bring that to Trello, something that was actually made for the users of it that works really well, that does what you expect it to do. So there's a feature coming from... That doesn't violate the principle of least surprise. There's a feature coming to Trello that that matches that? No, what do you... That's completely lost on you. So what he's saying is like, this is the kind of crap that Jira does. Oh, okay. Okay. It's got some captcha that it causes you to like lose what was stuff that was supposedly auto-saved. You say you lose like an hour of work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And Trello would never have something like that. It's just like, you know, Trello just works. Whereas Jira... You can spend just tons of time. That depends. If people are paying for that feature, (laughs) Trello would be like, Trello like, yeah, we'll put that in. So I have a question to you, which is, uh, do you think Salesforce would have ever considered buying Trello? Uh. By the way, we didn't mention, what did it sell for? $450 million? So first of all, I guess we should have said this. Congratulations to the people who created Trello. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Half a billion dollars. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what did they What did they spend making? They've only made this, what, what has it been, development for two or three years? I mean, how much have they spent on that? A I don't few, know. A that, few million maybe? That, that depends how many ping ball and... and uh, uh, table tennis tables they bought for their office. You know what? Actually, it's coming back to me. I believe I read they had raised like $40 million. So their investors got a 10x payback. 
but forty million—that's that's not a lot in the startup world. I mean, some okay, the Trello—it's like it's like you know eight guys sitting around a table. It's it's not well, it's I, not some giant you know. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, in terms of, of investment and and dilution of the stock that those eight guys would have gotten at at that price point, they they really made out. Oh no, they did. Jeez, yeah. No, wow, no, that's what I'm saying. Jeremy, what are really we doing? Well. I know exactly. Well, we need to, to to make a good day, sir. Project management tool and sell it for half a billion dollars. <laughs> there we go. You know, and, and so they were bought by it. I don't know if we mentioned this. You know, Jira that's owned by Atlassian, which is this Australian company. Actually, you know, really cool people. I've I've I met their. I don't know if they're CEO or president, and a couple of the guys that work there probably 10 years ago when they were much smaller. I think, what were their tools then? They had a, um, they had a, oh, like Fisheye and Crucible were their big tools. Yeah, I remember um, Fisheye was like a code viewer thing and Crucible was a, some kind of unit test or like a test management thing. Showed you your test coverage in a really nice way and everything. Really cool tools, but I know those guys are hilarious. But now they're like this giant company. They've, who did they merge? They merged with someone. Oh, they merged with Cincha. Cin- no, Cinqua. Cinqua. Yeah, Cinqua. I'm lost yeah. here. I know this, is, this goes back a long time. It's like eight years ago. Um, and you know what? Actually, I'm thinking of the Cinqua guys. That's who I'm thinking of. That's who I met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were the Australian guys. I don't think Alaskan was Australian. I could be wrong. I don't know. Someone can... <laughs> don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just I, shut it off I, right now. I'm, I guarantee I'm lost. at least fifty percent accuracy of the of the things I say. <laughs> but anyway, uh, now they're like you know they're they're a, I think they're a multi billion dollar year company, and and but what's unique about Alassian is they're basically at this point considered kind of enterprise software. They're big. They have you know they they moved up the big you know big accounts, and they basically have no salespeople. Wow. Yeah. And if you go, you know, just go Google the web on Atlassian sales team or salespeople or whatever, and you'll see it. I mean, there's this has been written about a bunch. How they, so are we saying they this become, is word of mouth? How they become an enterprise. It's not that they're word of mouth. I mean, I'm not saying they don't advertise. They probably advertise. Well, first of all, Atlassian, yeah, a lot of word of mouth. But they do advertise. It's just they don't have this big enterprise sales force that does the whole stake and hookers thing that Salesforce and Oracle and everyone else does. Is the... Is the, is the uh... I don't know, is this oh, the whole stake and hookers concept as as we dub it, the marketing side of things, is that is that a fallacy that, that you have to do that to, to be successful? I don't know. I mean, some people, like I've heard people, I mean, you d- define cloud computing as like, for example, um, if you can't get in and if you can't go to a website, put your credit card in and, you know, get running on it, and then it's not cloud computing, right? And Salesforce kind of violates that because Salesforce, absolutely wants you to talk to and negotiate with so they can upsell you a salesperson. True, but you can get a developer account for free. Entry email. You don't even have to put in a credit card. That's not... You can't do anything with that, though. I mean... Uh, No, I'm saying you can't run a company on that. You're going to have to... If you want to buy Salesforce, you can't buy Salesforce But you can evaluate it really quickly and And, easily. And 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 you can actually build real-world stuff. What's your point? I'm saying you can't use Salesforce for your company. You can't do anything with it. You can't run your company on it without... You can't buy Salesforce. You can get started. You cannot buy Salesforce without talking to a salesperson. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying you can get started. You can can go to Lassie and sign up your 1,000-person company on it. Yeah, but can you go to sap.com and say, I want a developer account so I can 
piss around with this and see how it works. I have no idea. You should ask an SAP person. Well, I don't think you can. I, I don't know. I have no idea. All right. I, 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 look, how about I, Marketing Cloud? You can't do that with no, Marketing Cloud. I know cloud. you can't do it with Marketing <laughs> Cloud. Well, not, I mean, that's, I think we always give Salesforce credit for that. The fact that you can get in and you can, all their documentation's online. Now, this is only, nowadays, really, you have to, you have to say what you're talking about. It only really applies to the sales cloud. All the documentation's online. You can get a developer account. It, they're pretty open with it. Yeah. They're open with the things that they're not, that they can control, that they're not embarrassed of. <laughs> <laughs> no, that they can control. I mean, I mean, when, when you start acquiring these companies and their technology, you don't control that. You control the acquisition, but you don't control you don't control the, the technology. Well, you bought it, you own it. How do you not control it? Well, it, it wasn't built the way you wanted it to be built. It wasn't built with the idea that you can spin up a sandbox, you can pin it, right. you can spin up a developer <laughs> org, and you can do you, whatever you although want. Although with marketing, you used to be able to, and then they turned they disabled that ability. I, I I think it's because it wasn't built for that. That it was kind of this one off, almost like Netsuite, where. I don't know if it's like that today. Yeah. But the time that I went through certification, they were spinning up an instance for every for everything. I've been told they don't they don't want to give any am, ammunition to their competitors on specifically around how difficult it is to get started with marketing cloud. Now, I've never used it. I can't I cannot evaluate how difficult it is to get started with marketing cloud. I don't know, but Well, it, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of demand for it. I mean, I'm I'm seeing Seems a, like it. Oh yeah, I'm I seeing agree. a big demand for yep. it. But because of the hurdles, it's it's not as easy or accessible to get into as Salesforce is to just go in and play around and figure out. Right. That it it makes it's not user friendly, right? It's, it, well, it 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 makes it the people who who can help you build out things in it. It it kind of reduces that audience because you kind of have to have a real project with a client who has bought real licenses to kind of go in and get that experience. So it's not like someone walking up and says, "I'm just out of college and I want to learn Salesforce." Well. Get a developer org, do some trailhead, uh, play around with it, and you can go. I figured this out. I can do this. Right. Pay me to do this. Yeah. I know how to do it. You, it, it, you can't say that with marketing. Yeah, and, and that's what I've heard. I mean, I, again, I can't. I don't really have any experience with it, so I can't, I can't say that's true. Or not, but I have heard that from multiple people who actually do uh, have some experience with it. Who knows? It's, it's it's a problem they need to fix because we we've seen sales cloud kind of level out. Marketing, I'm sorry, uh, service cloud is on the uptick. Yeah. Big time. Seems, those seems to be growing a lot. And marketing cloud is on the uptick. Do you do much? Not uh, as big as service, but it's on the uptick. Do you do much service cloud stuff? You know what? It's interesting because service cloud is so self-contained, and I think the tools are so well built, I rarely get asked to customize it. I think I think there's a lot I, already I there for it. I don't think that's why. I don't think that's why because... Really? Yeah, the service cloud, the, the, the modern-day service cloud projects are huge. Like these are, but I mean, twelve plus month in, in terms of service. What do you need? You need, you have a you have an online chat uh, program. Massive. You have call center no, integration, massive, CTI integration, massive customizations. But I don't think they're insurmountable. I don't think they're there's. I didn't say it's insurmountable. I'm just saying they're giant projects. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's they're, they're giant projects, and there's a certain you know, level of customizations. But I don't think they're to the level of say where there's a vacuum of of people needed to kind of service that technology. I think there's there's more than enough people to service it. I think there's more than enough technology integration. Are you, why are you saying that? Do you have numbers that I don't have or what are you what are know. you basing this on? Because fact, I, I actually the fact that I don't have any numbers, but I hear the opposite. I hear that this is why people are going out. There's a lot of people that are they're, they're saying, "Hey, we need people to get service cloud certifications because there are not enough people for this. It's growing faster and it's and it's hard. It's it's not as easy to get into a sales cloud because 
and this is kind of why I kind of avoid service God. There, it actually is much more on-site based. Like you are integrating with people's physical, like phone switching hardware and all this kind of crap. No, and there's a lot of on-site based stuff. So, so this is where we enter the realm of anecdotal because as long as I've been doing this, I've I've had to build custom CTI integrations. I've had to do those kind of things and, and interact with with kind of the social media stuff and and build some aug. I'm gonna call augmentations. The the technology is there. The data is there. The feeds are there. I just have to augment it with some business log business rule logic. But it's all been there. It's it's not like it's been inaccessible. It's not like you know, I, 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 you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to do this thing. It's, it's not like, oh, we have, we need to integrate with this, you know, with Twitter. It's already there. We need to integrate with, integrate with Facebook. It's already there. So there's nothing for me to do. So I don't get a lot of requests in terms of the, the service cloud to, to build these integrations, to build these type of solutions because it's already there. I, I think it just, I, well, it's not there. I think it's just the circle that, the circle that you're in. There's just not, that's, there's not a lot of big service cloud projects. But I've been doing this for 10 years. And <laughs> but you've from, of, from my perspective, it doesn't seem like that big of a nut to no. me from, from, a, from a developer perspective. Hey, let me tell you this, John. Them are some big nuts, okay? <laughs> them are some big nuts. We're just not doing them. But no, the, the, the one service cloud thing I did was, it was like, I don't even know if they called it service cloud. Then. This, had, this had to be at least five years ago. I wrote CTI crap directly for someone's uh, Avaya phone system, and I had to I had to do it on site because I had to run, I had to be there to run it and test things. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think that was a past life. I think today the the, the CTI integration is pretty much there. Well, CTI is just an API, like, but you it just like it's just like saying, oh well, um, ODBC is there. We're still building massive applications upon ODBC. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's just a low level API. I right? know people are doing super custom stuff, but I think these I th- are big projects. I mean, these are you know. Many millions of dollars of projects that that span months and have, if not years, and and big teams. I mean, these are big projects. So maybe what I'm seeing is you know multi thousand seat contact centers. So maybe what I'm seeing is is that most of the people that start out with service with Sales Cloud and move into Service Cloud have kind of grown up with Salesforce and they're able to just say, "We're going to go to Service Cloud. Here's the CTIs they already support. Let's let's implement that and go with that." Maybe I'm not dealing with so much legacy where I have to. You know, deal with custom custom development in terms of integrating with the CTI. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, it takes. I think the consulting shops that are getting these products are are big. Are the big shops? You just, I mean, a, a, you know, you're talking about a team of a lot of people. Yeah. Dedicated for like eighteen months. I mean, it's, and uh, you know. Really, it's just not, not the kind of work I generally want to do. So, <laughs> like I said, the one I don't want long term stability working for a project that's, that's guaranteed paycheck. I want these these smaller guys. That, well, I don't know if they're going to pay me, but it's fun work. I have long term <laughs> projects, but I just you know, I mean, I just again, service God's kind of not my thing. Um, anyway, how we get on that? I don't know. Uh, Salesforce Einstein. Our, uh, Salesforce wants them to be considered AI applications that just work. Isn't, isn't that an Apple thing? Are they appropriating Apple terminology here? Mm, no. <laughs> Everyone's doing AI now. 
No, the just it, it just works. That was Apple's. That's what everyone said about Apple. That's why everyone went, you know, Max. Oh, it that, just that, works, or whatever. That that was like that's a, the goal of the AI. Contrast to, uh, to I guess Windows or whatever but PCs. Isn't that the goal of AI? Why why do we want AI? Why? <laughs> I feel like we're fully into drunk John territory here. <laughs> what do you, what do we want? Well, well, I, I love you, <laughs> Salesforce. I love you. I think you're awesome. And 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 I can do things yeah. with you that I can't do with yeah. anybody else, and that's why I love you. No, CTI, it's, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> okay, do you remember this? I think it was a year or two ago. I feel like Salesforce had this under the radar analyst summit that we didn't even find out about until later, and that you couldn't find much on. So they had, they had another one of those. There's an analyst summit. What? Yes, I know. We didn't get invited again. Can you believe that? Damn it. Come on, Salesforce, what do we have to do? No, good day, Sir Army. Let, let's spread the word about how awesome we are so that we can get invited I'm, to these I'm things. I'm just going to start writing for Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I'll get an invitation. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, I have, so I, have, I have a few poll quotes. So uh, I guess their work on AI, it's, it's, this is interesting. The work started with exact target, predictive, predictive customer journeys. And many, though not all, Salesforce AI acquisitions are being plugged into the same automated pipeline. So first of all, I've been listening to this exact target crap since they bought them. And they've always <laughs> been called customer journeys. But this is the first time I've heard the retroactive revision of history and <laughs> that they've been predictive customer journeys. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Even oh, Drunk wow. Tron says bull uh, to that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if drunk John calls you out, then you're just you're full of crap. <laughs> uh, okay, this data management and machine learning pipeline is already delivering as many as 300 million predictions slash recommendations slash scored leads per day, according to Salesforce. That's a lot of slashes. I know, it is. <laughs> Almost as many slashes. <laughs> 300 million slashes per day. I feel like Guns, Guns N' Roses is going to call, uh, <laughs> sue them for copyright yeah, infringement. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a bad joke, John. Yeah, I laughed at it. I laughed at it because I kind of felt bad for you. As I, <laughs> I was in the moment there, <laughs> he doesn't like a good a good slash joke. So here, of course, we have to have a testimonial. Uh, one of our pilot customers flipped the switch on Einstein predictive lead scoring and got a twenty five percent lift in sales. Twenty five percent. They wow. they got a lift in their sales. They they grew the business by twenty five percent. Yeah, that was someone trying to protect their job. Uh, this is according to John Ball, Senior VP and General Manager of Einstein and KZEN, I guess, K-X-E-N, veteran. KZEN? KZEN. What is KZEN? Is that supposed to be Kaizen? No, K-X-E-N. What is that? Hey, this is Jeremy Ross coming to you on KZEN, your hot station for the latest hits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Salesforce hired him for his experience with automated analytics. For now, Salesforce is picking and choosing straightforward Einstein apps that will, quote, just work out of the box, said Ball. But over time, the company plans to get more sophisticated apps that might require a little bit of consulting and business process change to deploy. Ooh. There are also plans to support custom Einstein apps. But here, too, Salesforce said the capability will be point-and-click affair, for developer types <laughs> without the need of data science talent. 
Say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build you, don't, you don't need any developers. You don't need any people who know anything about uh, data science. See, so, uh, what people call big data. <laughs> it was really easy. I just changed my title to data scientist. <laughs> Put that on the board, did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I I think I think what happens is any type of intelligence, any any type of mechanism that's supposed to abstract the complexity of something to a user will get dubbed Einstein. So all the things that we currently do today to kind of abstract complexity, make it easier for the user to use, make it easy for user to create a field or or import a file, it'll get dubbed Einstein. And that's the world we live in now. There's always there's always a, always a fine line between like abstracting and dumbing down. Like but I, I feel that's kind of where we're at with Salesforce is, is they've they've abstracted some of the complexity and it's things we've been trying to do year over year. But now they've kind of put it in this realm of artificial intelligence, which it isn't. And that 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 bothers me because it feels like a bastardization of what AI should be. Well, you, you just need to get over it. They're gonna they're gonna use the term AI and they're gonna misuse the term. You just need to get over it. Well, it's not just that it's not just Salesforce. It's 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 Apple, it's Google, it's everyone else who's in this AI space who's who's doing nothing more than abstracting complexity, doing what we've always been doing with computers. And and then dubbing it this AI thing. It's why we have to invent new terms like neural networks and things like that. Which neural networks is getting bastardized too. Well, that's not a new term. That actually has. Well, no, it's not a new a term, meaning. but it's getting bastardized. It, it's neural networks is is meant to describe the intent of technology to map the the way the the human brain works. The way so that's it, not a that's not a neural. It doesn't. It's not referring to a, a human brain. That's not what neural network. Is and and by the way, go, I, go I, and read your your damn wikis. <laughs> I do, and I've followed I followed a lot of Google stuff, and they tend to use the correct terms in the correct ways. I mean, they're the ones that are open sourcing massive amounts of their their tooling, TensorFlow and Who, different Google? things. Yeah, Google. Oh yeah, I mean, in terms of AI, I mean, Google's like the poster child of AI for the future. They're they're releasing actual machine learning. I'm sorry, tools not, and APIs. I'm sorry, it's not Google, it's Alphabet. No, yeah, I guess because we got it. We got it. Unless you're talking about Google. No, 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 no. Because Google's still a thing. No, no, Google is a thing. No, yes, it is. It's not. It is too. It's all about Alphabet. I can type in Google.com right now, and it's a thing. It's it says, it's, and it says Google on the page. Nope. when I do that. Nope. Yes, sir. It's Alphabet. Okay. It's all about the stock price. <laughs> no one gives a crap about the name. They care about the stock price. I guess. And the stock price is, is revolves around Alphabet. Um, just a random note here. Uh, I've noticed that I believe that people uh, still, a lot of people don't know about our Code Not Clicks channel. But getting against, there's a Slack discovery problem. Wow, how did we get to here? Yeah, I'm just dumb talking about AI <laughs> and crap. I mean, we can talk more about that. This, you know, there's some long ZDNet article, which is just kind of BS upon BS. Code Not Clicks. Yeah. Well, I guess I could I could say here, here's a list of Salesforce Einstein apps that are available or will be released this year. Um, wow, no, this is too many. Yep, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's about thirty, probably thirty apps. Here's here's a good one: automated analytics and storytelling, predictive wave apps, which broke our our uh, illuminated cloud. Predictive email. Oh, that would be cool. Tell me what email I'm going to get before I get it. Oh, that's that, so awesome. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, John's going to send an email tomorrow probably saying that... Uh, oh, no, you, you <laughs> enabled this feature, and you know what? I have a feeling you're going to get a bunch of emails that this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, it's a service cloud. Predictive close time. It, it will predict when you're going to close your the, a case. Hmm. That, recommended responses. That's plausible. Reco- I, this is what I need. This recommended responses. I get an email. Someone asking me something stupid. I need a recommended response because usually what I respond with is not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> that exists. <laughs> Salesforce does it every day. Does it? I have a. I have a story. Okay. It, it's. It's. Are you gonna let me tangent? Are you gonna let me? I guess. I thought I was gonna dominate, but you dominated. How am I dominating? I'm just. I don't know. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a story. Actually, I have a I have a um a public service announcement. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll I'll be ready. So, if you're an admin or a developer, doesn't matter. Log in to Salesforce production environment. Go to your Apex Jobs, or I'm sorry, go to Setup then Apex Jobs. Create a new view and call it Stuck Queue Jobs. That's what I called it. Okay, and that's awesome. It's okay. the best name ever. And set your parameters for everything that's that's queued, where the status equals queued, and the uh, submitted date is greater than yesterday. I think greater than yesterday. Yeah, greater than yesterday, or less than yesterday. Less I think than, it's less than, yeah. less than yesterday. And click OK and set up that view. And see if you have any queued jobs that are just stuck perpetually. How do they get stuck? I'm not sure. But I have a feeling we hit some kind of limit, that there's some kind of limit on the number of queues or, or queued jobs in the system. So this is this is an issue that came up uh, this week. This is a benefit of another another benefit of multi-tenant architecture brought to you by John <laughs> Santiago. So so the error we we're getting is that oh, I like that. <laughs> so the error we we're getting is actually that the uh I use the word actually. Yep. Ding. I know. The flex queue job can only hold a hundred jobs in the queue. So once you reach a hundred, it stops. It stops queuing those jobs, and that includes batch, apex, or queuables, I believe. Oh my gosh, one hundred, one hundred. So our our issue is that that Salesforce stopped pulling from that queue, so things just started collecting, and we started getting a notification that we can't process any more queues or any more apex jobs because the queue is full. The issue, what I believe the issue is, because it's it's really hard working with Salesforce support. We've gone through tier one, tier two. We're finally approved to go to tier three to try to solve this problem. And that is that we have queued jobs that have been sitting there since 2013. <laughs> Don't run those. They probably will do bad things. <laughs> you can't abort them because they're queued. You can't kill them? No. So they have to run. <laughs> well, Salesforce has them listed as queued, and there's no mechanism to unqueue them. I think those are going to do bad things. I think you should kill those somehow. <laughs> well, that's, that's our request. Our request is, hey, we, we, I think we hit some kind of limit here because these have been sitting here for so long. And it's not, it's not that we've had a 1,000 jobs sitting in queued for, since 2013. It's that I think the, accum- the accumulation effect happened. So there's like maybe two or three in 2013. There's like two or three in 2014. And then, you know, however however long it took to 2016, we have this mass amount of stuff that's stuck and queued. 
the cute status. They're not processing. They're never going to process, apparently. And I guess what Salesforce does is it sees how many are in queue. And if there's a certain amount in queue, it holds the rest of, of the items to be processed. And up until this point, it was able to find a slot to stick us into. So things were, were processing, but they were processing slower than normal because we only had certain, a certain number of slots. So we've been in the process of working with support, and it's kind of been... Have you do, do you know the game Monkey Island? Yep. Have you played that? Mm-hmm. Do you know the the sword fights? Where yeah. it's, it's it's a what do they call it? A uh insult sword fight or something like that? Is that what they call it? I'm not sure. Well, anyways, the way the way the game works is is you 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 give an insult and they give a response. And depending on that response depends on on how you how you win the duel. Mm-hmm. So if I say, hey, your 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 mother is a turkey or something, and you come up with a better response than that, then I lose that duel and I end up getting pushed back until I lose. Or if I come up with a response that, that trumps your response, then then you lose ground until you end up losing, period. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of where we're at with Salesforce support. Mm-hmm. It's like they throw something at us that's like some boilerplate um, solution. Oh, well, go and abort the jobs. And I'm like, well, no, that's not the issue. The issue isn't the stuff that's in hold. The stuff is the issue that it's in queue, I believe. Nothing mm-hmm. else can queue now. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this is it's kind of this trade-off of banter of do this. No, that's not it. Do this. No, that's not it. That's so I feel like we're in this dueling sword fight where we're like, no, 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 that's not it. Come on, please put me to two or three, please. Yeah, because you're dealing with someone who who doesn't have a lot of experience, probably has never worked professionally building stuff on Salesforce. They're basically just, you know, they're going into their Einstein, their knowledge they're base. going into their Einstein service cloud and saying, hey, predict <laughs> what I should say to this guy. And it's just pulling just some crap like, oh, you should, uh, you know, whatever. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. So I kind of feel like we're in this sword fight. We're in, the, we're in this dueling sword fight where we're trading wits. We're trading banter back and forth. Until I can trump him and say, to where he can say, I'm done, I'm moving this up to the next level. And you know what? In the, it, it's, it's not even based on anything intelligent. It's just, you have to go back with him, back and forth with him a certain number of times over a certain amount of calendar days, and just finally they will give up and escalate you to someone else. I hope that's the case. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of times... I hope it's not just... No, say, no, the goal is for you to give up. Well, that's the goal. Is that's kind of how it feels. Right. It kind of feels like like they keep throwing this stuff hoping I'll give up. And I'm like, no, that's that's not the right solution. Well, because I can tell you, it costs your client a lot more to pay you to deal with them than it does for Salesforce to pay this person in some dirt poor part of the world to be on the phone, to be answering case <laughs> comments with you. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far and talk about demographics and geographics. No, no, I'm saying, and, no, that's what Salesforce, go. their support is staffed by the, what do you call it, lowest wage, you know, parts of the world. So that they can win that battle against you, but that's not, that's not even the point. The point is the is the fact that you kind of have to do this duel. Yes, exactly. You have to kind of just you have to get to a point where you can stump the guy. It's, it's a, like you you no, have you a, have to be. It's a quick. battle of wills. It, it's a battle of wills, but it's also a battle of wits. You have to get to, a, to get that guy at a point to where he's stumped, and once you stump him, he'll move you up to the next level. Well, that shouldn't be that hard. You should be able to stump him. I'm just saying. I mean, right. I mean, when you want to move up the chain, when you want to move up the tiers of support, yeah. Your goal isn't to explain the issue as best as you can. It's to stump that guy. It's to get him to the point where he's like, I don't know what to do from here. Yeah. I'm going to move you up to the next level. Yep. Because that's all that matters is yep. you need to get to tier three. 
Yes. And that's the game I've been playing with yep. this with this particular issue. Right. Uh, for some reason, they were focused on the flex queue, which which holds the holding stuff, the stuff that's in hold, which is throwing the error of you have a hundred in here. And they kept trying to get us to abort those jobs. I'm like, I can abort those a hundred times over. I can put in, I could write an automation that will abort every single entry that comes in there. But that means nothing will run on a scheduled basis because the interesting part is it doesn't affect future calls. It only affects, it only affects uh, queuable and batch jobs. I love this flex queue. That's like code for, hey man, you're shitting on a run. (laughs) (laughs) But it caused a certain amount of confusion because I had to I had to specifically say, don't look at the flex queue. That stuff is fine. It's just waiting to run. Here's the other thing. They kept wanting us to produce debug logs. I'm like, nothing is running. Yeah, there's, there's no, no log. log. <laughs> there's no log. There is no log. I'm sorry. I know you want to log, but there's no log. Nothing is running. <laughs> I know you want a log. I can't give you a log. I have no log. Uh, yeah. All right. That's the end of my story. Yeah. Kind of, I have a similar, I guess, another performance thing. Uh, and I just noticed this. Well, first of all, I have had performance things, and because you know, I've been bragging about this certain sandbox instance I've been working on, and I've been, I've stayed on that one. I'm like, I want to keep working because it's been fast. It's been like, you know, you, you <laughs> were you knocking an, on wood? I well, I'll, I knock on wood every time, dude. I got all, all kinds of wood. Our desks are not wood. There, does <laughs> I assume there's some kind of pulverized and re <laughs> reformed wood under here somewhere. Um, but yesterday, yeah, I was having major issues. Just what, you know, normally I'm getting like, you know, three or five second compile times and yesterday it's just like 30 seconds, 60 seconds, mm. just all day, which just, I mean, I basically got very little done yesterday. Is your sandbox a, uh, spring six, spring 17? No, it's, um, no, it's still on winter or whatever, I guess winter 17. How'd you do that? It was already on a non-preview instance. Or if you're on a preview instance, you can just you can refresh. But it was already on a non-preview instance. Hmm. Like half of them are preview, half of them are not. And if they're not on a preview instance, then they won't get upgraded until production gets upgraded. Anyway, um, I get I'm subscribed to the uh, Eliminated Cloud Google Group. And every once in a while, someone comes in that's like from the .NET land or the Java land, and this guy's like. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, something's wrong with Illuminated Cloud. Like, you know, I got a save, and it, you know, it's taken like 10 or 15 seconds to compile a file, and everyone's just like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's your problem? But then and then he says, yes, I, I've had tests that take 8 to 10 minutes or longer to run. And in my case, it was not the tests themselves that are taking so long. Salesforce would queue up the tests until resources were free. This is what reminded me of this your story. Mm-hmm. So the tests would just sit in the queue for 10 minutes and then run. Very annoying. I was able to improve some things slightly by disabling some of my batch jobs and schedule jobs that were on my instance. Was that this weekend, though? Yeah, no, it was this week. Like, yesterday. Well, because this weekend was the big uh, Spring 17 push. In I, fact, I, I, I experienced a, a tremendous amount of delay in compiling because Spring 17 was going I've on. I've seen all kinds of, just anecdotally, just, uh, it seems like this this Spring 17 has had a lot of issues so far. Oh, if we want to talk Illuminate Cloud, we need to give props to to Scott once again. You have to always give Scott uh, props to Scott. Yeah, because Scott Wells is that his name. So Spring Seventeen introduced a new enum that it wasn't coming through on the 
uh, I, I don't know how that to was a wave. This. There was like a, it, was, it was a new like log level. There's it was a, like there, wave. There's a new enum yeah. log yeah. way level that for some reason wasn't coming through in the logs he was expecting. So that caused an issue. So basically, any test you ran would fail. Yeah. And so I had to. I, I basically had to go into Salesforce and run the tests manually to to make sure everything was working was, right. Yeah. Um. And so by Monday, um, other people on our Slack channel were were saying, "Hey, is this an?" are you guys experiencing this? Cause I'm seeing this weird error and I'm like, yeah, I got it. And, and I went and checked cause I, I didn't have time. It was, it was a weekend. I was just trying to get stuff done and move on so I can spend time with my family. So I didn't have time to really log the blog, but the blog, I like how the, we all, the, the issue. I like how we always catch us as Salesforce is taking time away from our family. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. What, yeah. what can I say? I don't know. We're supposed to do things on non-peak times, and that's family time. I know. Non-peak times are family time. Yeah. What what can I say? I know. That, the reason there's a reason that's non-peak because people are with their families. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I use the word funny in a different way, in an ironic way. In a developers really get the short end of it. Developers in IT get the short end of life because non-peak is family time. When 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 an, someone in IT or in software development says non-peak, for someone who's not in IT or in, in development, that's your family time we're talking about. Yeah. That's the after hours. That's the after five o'clock where you're spending time cooking dinner for your family, sitting down with your family and eating dinner or going to bed at nine o'clock or watching a, a Netflix show or TV time. That's that's the time that that that's non-peak right. to us. Yeah, when, when do people want to deploy their new release? You know? When do people want, want to deploy their new release, John? Uh, non-peak times. Over the weekend. Which is after 5 <laughs> o'clock or on the weekend. In terms of, of deployment, it's on the weekend. Yeah. That means we give up our Saturday with our kids. We give up our Sundays at church or 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 wherever else we want to do on Sunday. You know, our rest day. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's non-peak times. When you like, hear non-peak, non-peak, non-peak is valuable. <laughs> clients like... Yeah, we're gonna need you to deploy on Saturday. So if you can just like you know come <laughs> or, in and deploy that, and um, or how about this on Christmas Eve? Where was I at Christmas Eve? Of course, you know I was at your party. Yes, I was at your party at Christmas Eve. What did I do when I got home? Deployed I de- something. I dealt with a deployment. Well, I was gonna say that compounding that is with Salesforce, there is no such thing as a known good build. So you deploy and you cross your fingers and you wait an hour or two for all the tests to run. And then well, you will find out if there's something wrong with that, right? And then you can continue working on that, and you can spend another two hours attempting to deploy again. And then you will find out if your fix actually fixed that. Well, I, I, I will call BS on the known good build. You can validate a deployment, and if it validates, you can run it within the span of three days, I think is the time frame right now. Which is which is actually a bad. So there's two. I have two personal two problems with that. One, that's a bad idea because. But things, technically, that's a known good build. No, it's not. <laughs> well, it was for that moment in time. For that moment it was in time. known, but I as know. you know, every minute that ticks on after that, it's it's less of a known good build. But you. But the click, other thing you, is, you can click a button; it'll deploy. The other good thing is, like, none of my tooling that I use, what works with that yet? Because it's a foreign concept. This this concept of. Yeah, you ran the tests, and it at this point in time it was good. And any point I'm, after that, within three days, you can you can you can just say okay. 
Does push it, this in. Does Salesforce stage that whole thing and you just have to click a button and it's it's already in there? It's already there? I think it just doesn't run tests and says, okay, we're pushing this in. Uh, okay. Here you go. Anyway, yeah, Scott Wells is, uh, he thought he'd fix that within like hours, right? I think so, because by Monday, when I when when people were talking about it, I was like, yeah, I ran into that issue. I haven't had a chance to to ping the, the issue log with this issue and say, hey, this is an issue. Someone else already had, and by then, Scott had already resolved it. Yeah. So I just had to look for an update, and I was good from there. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's really responsive to fixes and things. I just hope that, you know, I mean, he's talked about how he wants to make Salesforce development more like, you know, like Java development where you've got, you know, like good refactorings and things like that. And yeah. that's so hard to do with the Salesforce because, you know, you don't have a, you don't have an Apex compiler. I mean, you, there's, there's an assemble table, but that's, that's not an abstract syntax tree. I mean, right. and I don't know what he's doing behind the hood. I don't know if he's built, I think he's actually built, um, what are they called? In, they call it like an OST, I think in uh, the IntelliJ land, but I think he's doing some of that. But you still, I mean, it's not like it's anything official. I mean, you, yeah, you may be, you know, parsing and lexing and whatever, but it's it's not the official thing. So you can't really you can't really say for sure that you can rename these things that you think you're that you think you can rename. You know, you don't know for sure. Nothing, it ain't over until that deployment goes through, right? Right. It, it's not a known good build. So how do you? I mean, I don't know how you do this. Stuff. But anyway, he. I mean, I. You know, for a for a one man shop that. Um, is doing his best. Um, he's pretty good. He's really responsive. Yeah. Um, and to that, I think we have to say, thank you. <laughs> no, to that, I say, <laughs> go and pay the license for his, yeah. his software. Oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, he, he, he's he, doing great he's, work. He's earning that, that he, license. He's thing. earning it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're interested in this. I thought it might, it's kind of a John thing, maybe. It's not a really Salesforce thing. But did you see that um, the, I guess the guy who created the Swift language, worked at Apple for years, uh, is quitting and going to work for Tesla? Uh, Chris Latner. Really? Which is pretty well known even from before. I think he also was heavily involved in the LLVM project. Huh. He's going to become the vice president of autopilot software for Tesla's self-driving car stuff. That's <clears throat> a, he's going to be head? That's quite the responsibility. Yeah. But this, you know, this... <laughs> I mean, the, the issue nowadays is, is, is uh, okay, we've got self-driving cars. What happens when someone, when that self-driving, self-driving car hits someone? That's why you sign the disclaimer when you buy your car. <laughs> really? That's the, that's the world we're going to live in? That's the world we've always we're gonna lived gonna say, in. We're going to say, yeah. Yeah. I want self-driving cars to exist. And, and, and for that, concept, I am willing to waive any right that if that self-driving car hits me, I'm not going to sue. Yeah. <clears throat> it's okay. Well, I mean, I, of course, we can stat... For the advancement of technology, <laughs> I will accept that I'm going to get hit and maimed and deal with medical problems for the rest of my life simply for the advancement of technology. I will I will take Tesla and, the, and BMW and these other guys' technology over, I will, the typical moron that's driving and texting. <laughs> You know what? I'll take my best. Conspiracy on that. theory. They're they're putting people out there who are texting while driving so they can they can put put a foothold in everyone's memory that that cars should be self-driven. But you know we're getting a Tesla store right in this Legacy West right here. Not that I really care, but that's a that's that's to placate the law, I think, in Texas where you have to have a service center 
in order to sell. It's kind of this weird. There's already a Tesla store here in Dallas. Yeah, this is a, this is a new one. No, it's not to placate. It, it's, it's there. It's no, no, to sell Teslas. It, it is, but yeah. it's to placate the law. There, there there's a law. You have, that, to have a dealership. It's, yeah, there's there's some something like that. Stupid, stupid law, law yep. that was lobbied for. Of course. To protect by Ford and Chrysler and GM, existing I'm sure. <laughs> dealerships. Yep. That says you have to have a dealership in a service center in order to sell and all blah blah yep. blah blah. They they put all these great pros. Yeah, that that prevents people like from buying cars online or buying a Tesla online. Anyway, the fact that this guy's going to work, he's leaving Apple to go to work for Tesla. It, it, it reminds of uh, this kind of made made big headlines a couple of years ago when Elon Musk, the uh, you know the famous amazing Elon Musk. <laughs> Infamous. Inf- no, he's, no, he's famous. No, he's infamous. Uh, he's he's uh, um, among the tech sector. I'm famous. finding. I don't. I don't know why people don't like Elon. Why? Why don't people like Elon? How can you not like Elon? Well, he's amazing. I, those of us in the regular world like Elon, but but everyone else in the tech sector for some reason doesn't like Elon. Uh, I've I've got my issues with Elon, but I won't go into those now. Anyway, he said he. This is his quote: "If you don't make it at Tesla, you go to work at Apple." <laughs> I do like the attitude. I got to yeah, say, I, I like, like him for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? I know what you're talking about now. I'm kind of dominating. What was your, what were your, um, I'm not just going through my notes here. I don't remember. Now. <laughs> the, the, we do this every week. You're like, oh, I've, yeah, I've got the stuff I want to talk about. And then I, I just, do. End up, and we never end up getting into it. So let's, it because you dominate. Well, I just, I'm not going to let dead air I happen. I am the dominator. When dead air happens, you get just jump in and uh, do your thing. What's on your mind, John? What did you want to talk about? You said you, there's things you wanted. To, no, well, you did a couple, but you said there were things you wanted to to, to air here. What was it? We talked about a few things already. Uh, did Did you see my uh, Slack? <laughs> my are we calling it Slack? What do you call something and you message in Slack? You Slack someone. That's like a, with, yeah. with Twitter, it's a Slack me. It's a tweet. Yeah. Oh, I slacked. on a me- yeah. Well, you yeah. If you send someone a message on Slack, that's slacking them, I guess. All right. So, man, baby toothbrush was a thing with Salesforce, right? What the, Phil- the Phillips man, baby toothbrush. Yeah. Now, now we've got the man, baby hairbrush. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna tell you how healthy your hair is. I can brush it, and it'll it'll tell me all well, these and since, great okay. insightful things about my since hair. You brought up the man, baby toothbrush. What? First of all, why was that was featured at Dreamforce? Because they were going to use some kind of Salesforce crazy technology. What do you remember the details of that? And can, I, can we have a follow up on that? Like, it, did they actually use Salesforce? For that or was that just a big bullcrap show. Well, the company uses Salesforce, but I don't. I don't think the toothbrush itself, in terms of IO, may, maybe in IoT it does. Is IoT still a thing? Uh, Is that something we're you, still dancing do you think, around? Do you think it's a thing. I haven't heard. Honestly, have you heard? I think I think IoT has already faded. Well, because because it's faded, but because of AI. Well, I don't think AI is the new yeah. thing. Not well, IoT. Yeah. AI. Yeah. I mean, IoT is still a thing. I just think Salesforce figured out that they couldn't figure out how to you know provide the no. ru- rubber coated, safety approved version of IoT to its point no, and click I, uh, I, admins. I, I actually, if we're going to be pragmatic about it, I actually see IoT. Causing, sorry, deaths across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> causing the influx or the attraction to AI, and by that by that I mean everyone agrees that IoT is going to create an immense amount of data, and and they created this whole new job description of data scientist. 
Right. We know about that. You looked over at your cue. <laughs> See, you that's, what, that's why I don't like having this over here. Because now every time I look over there. I know you wanted to play that clip. It was really easy. I just changed my title to data scientist. <laughs> I saw you look that, over. That I saw is, your eyes go, hey, I have a clip for you that. You got it in there. <laughs> that's a good clip. <laughs> so it created this whole new category of data scientist. Um, but but the reality is 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 yes, you have this thing. It has an IP address. It's generating data. How the hell am I going to process that data? I don't know. And how these, the hell am I going to make sense of that data? Plus, you hear these things like, yeah, these cars that have IoT, uh, they're throwing off like 120 gig of data per mile driven. Like, how's that even useful? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, even the industry agrees that that data. That half that data what is, is it doing? Get, is it counting grains of sand that are embedded yes. in the concrete that I'm driving over? Yes, that's ridiculous. It is. And, and they agree that it's data. Half of that data is going to get thrown out. That half that data is just not going to be calculated. It's not going to be useful. It's not going to be analyzed. It's just going to be tossed. It's collecting. You know what it's it. used for? It's used to send to your insurance company because you know these insurance <laughs> companies they already have this. You can get a discount if you put the little the little they give it they give these little cute names. I saw Geico had a commercial. They got some little cute name for this. Oh, just put it in your car and you get a discount. Yeah, now they're tracking everything <laughs> you do. Well, they and are. The next thing, it's going to be your insur- your health insurance company. They're like, oh yeah, just put 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 our little device on you. It's going to measure your blood sugar throughout the day and make sure you don't smoke. And you know, and they're going to you know, next thing you know, your, your insurance bill is going to double because you hit too many city titties or you <laughs> you know, you had dessert. <laughs> You didn't get your steps in for the day. I'm serious. Oh, city titties. I want that so bad to be a show title. <laughs> you know I can't, though. You can't. I, we it, have a rule. We can't really have vulgar things to show titles as much as we would like. It can be suggestive but not vulgar. <laughs> That's a good title, suggestive but not vulgar. But, however, uh, pop the stack, uh, whatever, whatever the word is, to get us back on track, IoT birthed the, the AI initiative in that that there's so much data that it that that's going to be produced. There's no way for a person to make sense of that. There's no way for a person to decide what's valuable and what's not. And so the answer to that is that these these machine learning programs, these these programs that are going to somehow figure out and determine what's important and develop the algorithms for that will 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 produce that information for you. So that's what's driving, in my opinion, the AI the AI market is the the evolution of AI, the inception of AI, is is producing the AI market. Did I say that right? Yeah. IoT is creating the AI market. It's creating a demand for AI. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and, and so I that's, where, that's, that, where, I that's where I think we find ourselves. That, yes, IoT was a thing, and it feels like it's faded, but it, it's really not. It's, well, the it, hype cycle has faded. The hype cycle has, but the seed, IoT has produced the seed for AI because there was really no demand for AI prior to that. And, and IoT, in, in the terms of how much data it's producing, has seeded the need for more intelligent systems, for systems yeah. that can, can analyze this wealth of information and say, okay, here's what you need to look at. Here's what you need to worry about. Now, John, you've, you have not used the term big data yet. I'm trying not to. So hard. It, that's kind of a big data thing, though. It is. And, and in terms of data scientists, whether it's a made-up term or not, it's gonna. I, I feel it's going to become a, a valid new job title. Well, I'm deciding 
right now at 5.14 p.m. that I am now a data, I'm, I'm a data scientist. I'm going to go update my LinkedIn right now. Can I get everyone to log in and, uh, what is it called? You endorse? I need to be endorsed endorse. for data science. <laughs> Don't joke, do it, and I'll, I'll endorse okay. you. Okay. You you are a Six Sigma black belt, That's and for true, that yeah. reason alone, I will endorse you as a data scientist. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, I think 90% of what people refer to as data science is just statistics. I mean, I can... Well, it is. I can, it I can, is. I can produce you a pretty awesome lead scoring tool with basic statistics. And 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 to me, all in, in terms of AI and IoT and the way AI has been bastardized... It's really nothing more than automated statistical analysis. Yeah, it's, it's not AI. That's the, you know, we've talked about it. They, they dubbed it as AI because it seems like this magic thing that's going to look at the data, look at the trends, and come up with some output. But that's how you sell. you you, you got to sell the sizzle, man. you got to get people to write about you, and you got to get in the right quadrant it is, by but, talking about right Wells, It is, but Orson Welles didn't envision AI as being some some statistical analysis that produced some output based on, based on some algorithm. It was it was some self-aware mechanism that understood that it was... It was alive and it could could think and 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 do things on its own. That's artificial well, intelligence that's, in right, my mind. Right. But but now we've bastardized this and we've bastardized I, I, Einstein and we've bastardized all these really smart people to sell software. How is it okay to appropriate? Uh, we talked about this too. Oh, we have. The, <laughs> I don't. Know, I'm, oh, I want to move on. I'm, I'm getting depressed here. <laughs> we get. We need to get to questions. <clears throat> You know what? I never finished though. Oh wait a minute! I, I we, you know, we keep just <laughs> rolling down this mountain of of uh, tangents, but the code not clicks. So th- this is our this is a new uh, Slack channel on in our Slack team we created, mm-hmm. and I because Slack has a discovery problem. It's it's not clear that there's a new channel. So right. for all of you who are in our Slack team, just look if you're interested in, in the code not clicks. Uh, you pro- you will have to manually add yourself to it. You 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 have access to anyone could add themselves. Yep, but it's there. Uh, and if you're not on our Slack team at all, then maybe you should consider uh, joining. It's it's you know only nine ninety nine a month, <laughs> payable by major credit card. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's totally free. Uh, gooddaysirpodcast.com slash community. That's right. Or gooddaysir.com or no gooddaysirpodcast.com and then click community. Just That's give right. us your email address and John will uh, add you. And I I'm proud to say I've been awesome about making sure people get invited. You have been awesome, John. I, as, as soon as it comes in, I'm try, I'm trying. There might be an hour or two difference between I get the notification, but I've been making sure I've been I've been adding people. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, questions. Who do we want to start with? We got we got so let's start with uh, David Litton, uh, friend of the show, longtime yeah. friend of the show, David Litton. Uh, he says, from the perspective of something of, of someone not proficient with code, if you just graduated college today or you were looking for a career change into Salesforce, how would you go about doing this? Uh, interested in how you'd get to where you are today if you had to start over? Essentially, because uh, both of us are you know, self-taught for the most part. <clears throat> he said, just curious on our thoughts on this and maybe others would be too. It's a good question. I, I don't know. Well, for me, it's not for the most part. I am self-taught um i have no university mis degree to speak of this is kind of tough because uh, i think particularly with with programming uh people come from all over the place i mean you've got people that come from you know they they did the computer science track 
There are people who, you know, were music majors and got into programming and who, I, I mean, I've known excellent software engineers who did not graduate with a math, science, or engineering degree. Mm -hmm. They came from something completely different, but they could just think, they could think in a, with an engineering mindset. Yeah. And they were willing to uh, either, you know, were willing to learn and, and do some work on their own and also uh, almost universally were in an environment where they were basically being apprenticed, right? They were an apprentice. They were learning from, you know, masters. They had, they had a mentorship. Yep. Yeah. So I guess that's one answer is, you know, find a mentor. Oh, that's a great way to learn. That's probably one of the best ways to learn. I mean, I don't know why we don't, you know, that's the way that people learn for centuries. And I think it's still a great way to learn this, you know, a master apprentice thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. An apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just graduated college today, that's a good question. I, wow. You know, it, it's interesting. Salesforce is, I don't know how to say this. Salesforce knows the market. I, I've come across people who have said, I've done some Salesforce in, in college. How that happened or how that transpired, I have no idea. But the fact that the college students are aware of Salesforce and are, are aware of the platform and have done some work in it and are coming out of, out of college and into the market saying, hey, I've done some Salesforce. That's a big deal to me. Well, I mean, <clears throat> so, I mean, Salesforce is the Microsoft access in the cloud. I mean, it's a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of schools use Salesforce. Yeah. So that's not surprising at all. I mean, I, th I would say, you know, you're, you're just, you just graduated college. You try to get some experience doing something, you know, uh, get a certification. Those are pretty easy. I mean, and most of them are still, I mean, there's a lot more nowadays and there, some of them are getting expensive. I saw some of these newer ones that they're, they're like $400 to take the test. Used to be. Well, I don't, I don't know what the price of, of the ultimate architect is oh, those, anymore, that's like, but that was that's like five six grand. grand. Six yeah. grand. Six, five or six, six grand. Yeah. No, I just mean, you know, get, get a developer, sir, or what, I don't know what they are now, build or something or another, or one of the consultant ones, you know, if you want to be really ambitious. I kind of thought I mean, about it. There are, I could, you just look in the phone book under Salesforce consultancies and 90% of them will hire you if you have a certification. Pretty much no other questions asked. Well, I, I mean, uh, a good portion of that says there's a lot of demand. Yeah. There's demand and there's money in this market. Yep. It's not a bad. It's not a bad place to be, right? I mean, but I guess that's that's answering how you would get a job. I mean, the you know how do you? I think he, what he's saying is how would you get to where where you are today? And um, oh, I don't I, know. I don't know about that. I think my general advice is just you know be, you know, be willing <laughs> to learn on your own. You you, if you're going to be, in, I don't mean you know, regardless of trailhead and certifications and whatever. I mean, if you want to be a good software engineer. You have to be willing to learn constantly. Yeah. And there's things that you learn that are timeless. And, you know, whether it's, you know, patterns or uh, domain-driven design and the basics of testing and, and you know, just architectural patterns that are just, they're timeless. Like, there's those things. And yeah. then there's the things like, what's the latest Node.js way to split a string, right? It's like, changes every 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you got to be willing to learn all those kinds of things. That's 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 the thing. And if you're not willing to spend, if you're not really interested and willing to spend a lot of your free time, a lot of that family time, constantly learning this crap, then don't do it. But if you are, 
that's what you're in for. Yeah, I agree. And so you have to be willing to do that. So just start doing that kind of stuff. Especially if you're just out of college and you don't have a family. You know, use your free time to nerd out. Use your free time to learn yeah. something, test something. Even if it's something you're never going to use in a practical sense. I mean, I, there there are things about Rails that I that I went out and learned, but never actually used in a project. But the concepts, the 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 opinions that they had of why they did something a certain way, you know, all those things will carry over with you. All those things will kind of be in your mind, and you'll you'll learn from that. You'll be a better developer for it because you'll you'll un, you'll understand the problems that they were trying to solve. You'll understand, you know, why they did something. And that that that, that to me is important. Is understanding why you do something or understanding the problem that something is trying to solve, some framework is trying to solve or some pattern is trying to solve or some language is trying to solve. You know, just exposing yourself to those life experiences to me has been valuable. Yeah. And also maybe pick pick a pick an area. Like uh let's say you're interested in in integrations. Um go download Apache Camel, which is Basically, the implementation of the famous enterprise inter, uh, enterprise integration patterns book. Get the yeah. book down and then start playing with Apache Camel and set you know install a Postgres database on your machine and start building the little integrations and understand the patterns. You know, there's yeah. I mean, I I, I would. It's so everything. Things are very accessible nowadays. It's not like it used to be. It is, and I, I will put myself out there and say that um, at some point, I I did not understand object-oriented programming. That just did not make sense to me. I I read book, I read a bunch of books. I I worked with it. I advanced with it, and then I started to understand the reasoning behind it or why these concepts existed. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was it's only through exposure. It was only through kind of taking something that didn't make sense and kind of working through it and trying to understand why that existed that I started to grow as a developer, that I started to understand and started to learn from it. Because, uh, I, I mean, I literally did not understand why something had to be a class versus a function or why something had to be encapsulated versus just calling a method. You know, I, I feel like I can relate to a lot of new programmers that say, well, why do I have to do that? Or why do I have to do this this way? Or why is this the best yeah. practice? You know, and it comes from experience. It comes from learning. You know, it comes from... It it can either come from something that bit someone in the ass one day, yeah. you know, when they deployed well, something, or it can come from experience of of I can't maintain that. Yes, I, I called a hundred different methods and it worked, but I can't maintain I mean, that. Object. If you look back at some of the original object oriented languages, I mean, they and some of the stories behind them, they they were born out of many asses being bitten. Yeah. Um. But however, I, uh, to me, object oriented programming is a little bit of a controversial topic, particularly in the Salesforce space. Number one, object-oriented programming is not the hotness, and it hasn't been for a while. Functional is mm, way more true. leading. Or um, prototypical. Number two, you know, for, for 10 people that understand, like really well even, the syntax of, a, of, of an object-oriented language, there's one of them, one out of 10, will actually know how to use and wield object-oriented ideas does, and, and design correctly. And three, if you're in the Salesforce space, I just don't think that is a great way to spend your time because there's just not a lot of interesting uses of object-oriented programming in the Apex language or in JavaScript, which is the other main language going forward if you're a Salesforce developer. True. It, it, it's kind of moved from this push 
towards object-oriented to push towards modularity. Yeah, and in, I would. JavaScript. I mean, honestly, I would. I would go learn uh, well, JavaScript and particularly the functional aspects of JavaScript because that's where JavaScript is as a powerful language. So yeah, it, it's in, it's interesting because the the object-oriented the the call for object-orientedness in JavaScript kind of transitioned to this modularity because that's really the problem that people are trying to solve. It wasn't so much that we wanted to be able to do this and this and this. It was no, we wanted to be able to plug this in and have it act a certain way, which required traditionally object-oriented inheritance and all those kind of things. But we're, what people really wanted was the, this modularity aspect. Yeah. And I think I think JavaScript is starting to answer that in the right way, but from a object-oriented sense of things, it's a different switch of mindset. It, it, it very much is a different mindset to me. Yep. <clears throat> All right, well, let's, let's move on. We have some other questions. The next one's from Stephen Noe. He says, regarding the new MacBook Pros you're using, now that you've had them for a few months, what's your take on the touch bar? Has it changed the way you work? Uh, the laptop? Is it a feature that's worth upgrading for? I suppose you could also <laughs> let us know what you think of the laptop overall after some, some use. Uh, so me, um, what's my take on the touch bar? I'll go first. Um, it hasn't changed the way I work. I really don't even use it that much. I don't have any. I don't think I have any apps that really use it. And I also have. I have to say, I've taken no initiative. I know people who have. Uh, there's a utility. There's some utilities now that let you really uh, customize it and make it uh, so that you have overriding control instead of an app wanting to show certain things on the touch bar. You can always have it show something. I've looked into none of that. I'm honestly just kind of ignored it because I've just been too busy to dig into it. Yeah, it, it's. I think I still view it as a cool thing with some potential. But if I, I, I would not miss it for a second if I didn't have it. I, I agree with that. I have, <laughs> the only reason I've used it is because I wanted to use it. Yeah. You, know, you were wanted, trying to use it, I was right? trying yeah. to use it. Yeah. I, have, I haven't really found a use case for it. Um, and I, I wonder if mainly that's because I've always tried to avoid function methods, like, you know, the function buttons. Mm -hmm. So I have all these other tools that let me do things. Mm. For that, and so I, I've kind of abstracted my need for them yeah. already, and so the inception of this is like, well, that's cool. I can, I can, I see it. Yep. I see that I can decline a call or I can do this other thing, but I'm like, I already got something else that can do that, and I'm used to that. Uh, me too. Yeah. And I don't care. Again, I, I still can see there being interesting use cases for it, and and maybe as third party apps roll out their implement their support for it. It could could add some things, but right now, yeah, I could totally live without it. But in fact, I'd honestly I'd rather live. I'd rather have a, a the function keys. <laughs> well, I I, wa I want to add a caveat to this. But I didn't buy this computer for the touch bar. I bought it because it was just the latest best MacBook Pro I could get. So. I, I agree with that, but but I want to add a caveat to this in that at home I have a separate keyboard, a separate trackpad, and a separate mouse. Right. And in my office, I have a separate keyboard and a separate trackpad and a separate mouse. Mm. I've abstracted away my need to touch my notebook keyboard. Which is a whole other problem because I've fallen in love with the keyboard on the MacBook Pro. <laughs> I, I, at first I was like, I feel at first way. I kind of hated it, but now I love it. And I when I go to any, even this keyboard, which is a fairly low travel keyboard com compared to yeah, most, keyboards, most keyboards, I feel like I'm doing like weight training on my fingers when I use this keyboard. <laughs> it's so hard. I feel like I'm having to push down like six inches to get a key to press. I, I agree. Um, but... That that also influences my my necessity to use the touch bar because there's no touch bar on my keyboard yeah. here. It's it's further away from me. It's it's hovering my arm a certain distance away, 
And I already have that weirdness with my touch ID because I, I do enjoy the fingerprint sensor. Yeah, I guess. Overall, it's, it, it, overall, it's, it's honestly slower than me entering my password. But it, Exactly. I feel the same way. But, you know, for certain apps, it becomes the default. And so yep. I have to reach my hand up. Yep. And it, it, it's made me appreciate Apple's... Oh, crap. I enabled Siri. <laughs> it, it, it makes me appreciate Apple's uh, methodology or... What's the right word? Stance on not having a touchscreen for the notebooks. Yeah. Because, you know, reaching up to touch my fingerprint sensor is annoying enough, much less having to reach up and touch something on my screen right. to navigate. Yeah. I get it. Yep. I, it's it's not ergonomic and it's 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 not it's not a utility for me. Yep. Although when I was in the Microsoft store the other day, I mean just playing with the, what are they called? The Surface something book? Surface Book Pro or Surface Pro? What are they called? Uh, Surface, Surface Book. Pro. Surface Book? I don't I think know. It's Surface Pro. But the, the fact that those things, you, the screen folds completely over to the back and then you do it like a laptop. And that, that's, I don't know, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I was asking the guy, I was like, I was trying to get him to explain to me, like, you know, software, these uh, software providers who have Windows apps, mm-hmm. you know, don't they have to implement support for touch in their applications to get a really good touch experience. He's like, no, if it's, as long as it's made for keyboard and mouse input, it automatically has touch input. Uh, which is just, now there probably is a default baseline. Like it will trend, you know, it will, Windows will send you the click messages, right? If if you don't have explicit support for touch, it'll just send you click messages instead and you can respond to those. That, 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 that That's a piggyback on earlier technology. When, uh, yeah. Way back when, when, when touch interfaces was a thing that you could do. Um, I remember responding to those events, and I remember having to design my screen so that they had larger uh, input mechanisms. So the button was was probably four times larger than it was, so that it could react to a right. person touching yeah. it on the screen versus a you know tiny little mouse pixel touch. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I drilled down. I was like, so how does so okay? So I don't have to implement anything special to, to for my app to use. The touch support. It's like, oh, so what happens if I pinch and pinch and zoom? I mean, what he's like, and he like he stopped and thought for a minute. Of course, these, these guys aren't <laughs> these aren't software developers. They don't you know. No. They're just kind of giving you. It's it's like the tier two support in Salesforce. They're just giving you their answers. <laughs> their their predictive uh, you know predictive service cloud. I told them to tell you. It, you're interacting with Einstein at that point. Exactly. Um, but anyway. The the keyboard's great. The trackpad, you know, the, the the one of the biggest complaints about the of course the touch bar is that it doesn't have an escape key, right? It doesn't no physical escape key. Yeah, and but it's there. I use it. So a lot of people have you know the thing where you you just map escape to your caps lock because honestly caps lock is a horrible thing anyway. You probably shouldn't even have it. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. You know, I did. I was thought I would do that, but the reason I haven't is because I actually have trained. I can hit the escape key pretty well. Um. And, they, and so then Steven says, lastly, how drunk is the Dallas area on the Cowboys Kool-Aid? Very. Let's see, I mean, you know, we're, we're about to play the NFC Championship this Sunday. So I would say pretty, pretty drunk. You know, John and I, this, the, our office, we're in this complex here in Frisco. And we're about, you know, what, a couple blocks away from the star, which yeah. is Dallas's, Dallas Cowboys I thought our, extremely I, I think fancy. I heard that they're starting to do tours there, right? They do, yeah. yeah. They're not cheap, though. <laughs> um, yeah, should, we, should we live podcast a tour uh, of the star? Oh, that would be so exciting. <laughs> um, no, they have this really fancy new headquarters, so it's a, it's 
you know, super fancy office building. That, and then there's this thing called the Ford Center, sponsored. And everything's sponsored, right? So this is sponsored yeah. by Ford. And it's a big indoor football facility that's a con- that's a partnership between the Dallas Cowboys and the Frisco School District and whatever. And so, yeah, this, this whole area, I would say, is, yeah. you know, drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I got plenty of friends around here that are Cowboys haters, though, that are like, you know, Eagles fans or whatever. So I don't know. But it's fun. It's a it's a good time to be a Cowboys fan right now. I can tell you that. All right. Uh, Dr. Nick has sent us a bunch of new questions. Uh, so we'll do some of these. He says, have you expanded your portfolio to more than the single paycheck? Oh, no. He says, both of you extended your portfolio to more than the single paycheck nine to five. Any tips in doing that? It's difficult finding contracts that require less than five days of work. I don't know why you'd want a contract that was less than five days of work. Um, well, I... I think I understand the question is that I don't I don't know how to say this. There, there there's some contracts out there that are that are bid contracts. So like, you know, some company will say, Hey, we need someone for like this project that's coming up and it's three months and we need you to work on it. And that's not what you and I do. You and I kind of partner with already existing partners, Salesforce partners. Yeah. And we get our work from there. So we're not really kind of living bid to bid. We're more so partnered suggest, with another partner. Yeah, and I'd also I would just be be careful with, uh, you know, the typical like RFP or or someone who's bidding out what they think is a known project with a known requirements and a known yeah. budget. Like I don't let because it just doesn't work. I'm not going to let someone tell me like how much it costs to do something that they don't even understand. Like I can't let you tell me that because you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I would, you know, one of the one of the uh, most common pieces of advice, and I think I agree with this, is, you know, one of the best ways is to, if you're looking to make the jump to, um, away from, you know, employment to consulting or contracting or whatever, is uh, try to turn your current employer into your first customer. Yeah. That's always a good way to go. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's a lot of networking and getting your name out, and it's can be a lot of work to get started, I think. Starting a, a good blog? <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I mean, you're starting a business, and any business is, is just, it's hard, and it's risky, you know, definitely the the income has its ups and downs, so if, you know, save a save a good amount of money, up, like, I don't know, six months of salary or something, and if you, yeah. you know, if you don't have that, you probably shouldn't, mm-hmm. shouldn't take that plunge. Uh, what do you, when do you study, and what's your approach like? Do you dedicate time topics, or are you compelled to do it? Um, <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know. That, that one's interesting, because... I feel like some of it is is podcast related where I I specifically, you know, will look into something because I think it could be interesting for the podcast. Right. But there's other things that I that I'm interested in that have nothing to do with the podcast, have nothing to do with Salesforce that I'm just interested in. Yep. And those those are things I will reach out and read and you know, it, it's not so much dedicated like I have Tuesday night is when I, I do my learning. It's just, you know, at that point in time something piques my interest and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to blow off this other stuff and I'm going to go, I'm going to look into this. Yeah. For me, it really depends on the topic. I mean, uh, nowadays, I would say 90% of something, things that are a new thing that I want to learn is it's going to be some kind of online thing. I'm reading some kind of documentation or I'm downloading some AP, you know, some framework or API and I'm playing yeah. with it. Whereas in the old days, it's like, oh, what do you do? You buy a book. Yeah. Right. You or you can go to um, conferences. spend uh, probably 60 to $100 yep. on a book. Um, the other thing I buy books for nowadays, I buy books for the things that we were talking about earlier, like the timeless things versus the things that change all the time. I still buy books for the timeless things. There's just there's just not that many timeless things, so I'm not buying. I might buy a few techish books a year, maybe. Yeah. Um, whereas, 
in the past, you would buy 10 a year. You know, some new, you know, it's ASP 2.1 came out. You know, you got to go buy a new book, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, anything in spring 17 release notes that strikes your fancy? Is it just me or the last few releases breaking more stuff? Anything on the horizon to stop this happening? Proposed impact uh, considering lack of testing and lightning? So, yeah, anecdotally, it seems like there's been a lot of broken stuff, at least in the sandboxes. I've, we've seen a lot of reports of that. Um, I tend to notice metadata things that break, and this is some of these things are, are actually after it's into production. Um, yeah, always. You know, well, I don't say always. I mean, there, there's you know, it's not uncommon to see metadata regressions of some sort. And and I will say, uh, I think I had some notes on winter spring seventeen. They've got some new uh, metadata API things. Um, one thing I noticed, I didn't sign my notes, but I just remember specifically is lead settings are now supported in the metadata API. And that was one of those things that forever, like, I th and I think that means like, um, maybe your lead assignment rules. I can't remember that, whatever, you know, just if you own a lead settings and setup, that now is deployable via metadata. So they're again, they're, you know, they've talked about that for years now that they want to, they want to whittle down that list of things that you can't do via metadata, metadata API. Which again supports that Salesforce DX notion of like yeah, the source exactly. code is the truth. Yeah. And the more things that that are outside of that source code, the more things that are out. I mean, anything outside of that's a problem. Like that right. you need, you know, it, it should be like software defined, a software defined org. You know, because nowadays everything's, you know, you got software defined networking, software defined this, that, whatever. Right. And we need software defined orgs. And if there's things that are out that you can't do, you, you know, in an automated way outside of the software, then that's a problem. Uh, I, I actually noticed a couple of interesting, interesting things in the in the release notes, though. One is that uh, I guess Wave doesn't support Safari at all. Did you know that? No. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what de what to what degree like you'd have problems with Safari, but it just you know it's it's IE uh, Chrome and Firefox, I think. Huh. I say IE. I, I believe <laughs> it's not IE. It's, it's what's the new one? Edge. Yeah. Um, well, also, I, I mean, I, I default to Chrome on everything, so it, yeah. I. I, I I wouldn't unless, even know. Unless I'm developing something and testing intentionally for right. those, those different scenarios. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed they don't, the release notes do not mention Safari 10 at all. Only 8 and 9. And, and Safari 10's been out since, uh, it came with um, the latest macOS, whatever it's called. macOS, what, is the, what are we on now? <laughs> Sierra? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, Sierra. Sierra. Yeah. So that that was when ten came out, and there's no mention of ten. So I assume you can use ten. They just probably forgot. Which is that. odd because Benioff is such a big Mac guy, or at least on on the surface. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, no, I, no, he's I, not. I gave him the App Store. He is. Not. I had the App Store. I gave him the gave him the App Store. He. Why makes you say he's a, a Mac guy? Well, because he's a he's a big Steve Jobs. No, because he he runs his computer from his phone. He doesn't even have a laptop. He says he doesn't have. Computer. Well, he's an iPhone. Yeah, he doesn't use his computer. He he's an iPhone it. and I watch, even though he's yeah. a Fitbit guy. Oh, here's here's one of my. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Process Builder has updated icons. <laughs> That's oh, really oh, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> the icons suck so bad. I needed that. Yeah. Uh, I've I do have a couple of Spring 17 questions for you though, John. One is this: Have you looked at the Apex Stub API? No. Stub. So it's. I guess it's going to be generally available. Now. It's been around for a release or two. It's never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a way to to. It'll take. And I could be possibly wrong here, but it it takes. You can say, um, oh, I've got this class that implements some service, 
And you can, using their stub ABI, you can say, basically, um, I want to create like a stub implementation of that class. And... Okay. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's basically, it's an API for defining responses to each message that a certain interface can uh, respond to. Huh? Um, which is interesting, and it's is this, is, is this kind of like an evolution of the mocking API uh, or something? Well, or? that's basically kind of what it is. Um, unfortunately, because of Apex, it's just not near as like fluent and mm. um, elegant as if you look at any like the the Java or C sharp uh, mocking APIs. Mm-hmm. Which produce really nice looking code. Um, it's but it you know hey it's it's there and it 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 does let you stub your existing classes and things. So so yeah, check that out. And there's this thing called platform events. Do you know what those are? Platform no. events. Yeah, I've it looks there. interesting. I don't know much about them, but I think we need to look into those. Honestly, I haven't really read the release the release notes. I I you know. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of Einstein stuff. I always go right to the, you know, the what do they call it, developer or yeah, whatever. The developer section. Was, yeah, yeah. I, I tend to do the same and jump to that list, but I don't know. I, I th- the first thing I do is I just do Command F and type in namespaces and see if anything comes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that. Yeah. No, I think I think for the most part, I'm I'm way too busy at this point. I'm I have a lot on my plate in. As as much as I want to be well informed and kind of research all the release notes and what's in it and you know what my highlights are, I'm just way too busy. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to keep I up know. with. It is, and I, I hope that relates to somebody out there that that's just kind of behind on the times. But yep. I'm also behind on the times. I, I I just have a lot of stuff going on with the present day that I can't worry about the future just yet. Uh, he also wants to know uh, if there's any podcasts we recommend. Uh, Matt Morris, Technology Flows. Yeah, Technology Flows. Uh, yeah. The Code Coverage. I, I enjoy Code Coverage. For sell, yeah, Salesforce, Code Coverage, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, I, will, I, want to, I want to break out a little bit, though. I'm going to recommend Steal This Beer, <laughs> which is a podcast run by a guy who runs a brewery in New Jersey called uh, Carton Brewing. Yeah. And it's really interesting because they, he, what he has some saying, it's like, he's like, they talk about what beer is, not what it's supposed to be or what people think it should be. Mm. And they do this thing even where they have these, I think they're black pint glasses and they fill the beer, but they have someone do this for them. So it's completely like a double blind test. Fill about halfway up. So you can't even see the color of the beer. All you can do is smell it and taste it. Oh, yeah. And so they'll guess at like what it is. And it's yeah. crazy because sometimes they get it, these are like beer experts. Sometimes they just get it completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, but that's always fun. I I I would like to recommend Joe Rogan. I, look up <laughs> Joe Rogan on YouTube. He's a comedian. He does stand up. I I enjoy his content. Yeah, we were talking about him earlier. I've yeah. never listened to it. Um, I feel like I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I'm looking through here and I just I don't know. There's, well, front uh, side. I enjoy oh yeah, front side. Yeah, yeah. They're from uh, Austin, in Austin. They're like an Ember JS <laughs> development shop. Yeah. What's well, um, what, uh, Charles? Uh, what's, I don't even can't remember his last name now. I don't, I don't know either. But I feel like I've known of him forever because he used to do a podcast, Drunk and Retired, with the Michael Cote <laughs> from like forever. Drunken, I was, drunken anything is awesome. Yeah, but Drunk and Retired, no, that was what they called it. Uh, but they were, that was a that was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. One of, one of my favorites these days is uh, my, uh, what's it called? Uh, one More Thing. It's called One More Thing. It's a, it's a Columbo podcast because <laughs> I'm big into Columbo. Although, can I, can I, can I say this? I'm sad. Okay. Netflix, 
uh, has retired Columbo episodes. You can't so watch them anymore? I can't watch them as well. Wow. Can't watch them on Net- on Netflix anymore. Hmm. I'll have to find a new source for Net- for, for Columbo. That's sad. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Oh, nah, I don't see much else. I don't know. I'd... Uh, there's, 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 I mean, if you're talking about other Salesforce podcasts, there's uh, Twit, uh, Two Women in Tech. Uh, that's uh, Christy Guzman and... But you can't call it Twit. You can't? No, that's This Week in Tech. That's a whole, that's a net, that's a podcasting network. They probably should change that if that's if they use that. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely, he's got that trademarked. Does he? Oh, you know what? If um for the okay, relating to you know people um, you know going going freelance, there's a show called the Freelancer Show. That's a good one. The Freelancer Show. Yeah. Uh, back to work, which is uh Dan Benjamin and Marlon Mann kind of work and work culture type of discussions. Yeah. yeah. How to like stay sane and be a good person and not you know keep a, you know, keep I, a good balance. I, I, I like Dan and Merlin. But I don't like Merlin and um, oh, what's uh, his name? Roderick. Roderick. I yeah. used to love Roderick, but then he got like political. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, I don't want to get political. Right. I liked it when you guys were just kind of doing your thing, not political. Because he actually ran for office, didn't he? He like ran for like some kind of believe, office in I think Seattle, yeah, City Council, or yeah. is he in Portland? No, he's in Portland. Portland, right? yeah, yeah, something like that. And then then it started getting really political. And I was like, uh, I don't like. That's this. when I yeah I stopped. And, yeah. I, and honestly, I mean, it's. It's not even the ideology. It's like I, when I yeah. listen to podcasts, I just don't want to hear about politics. But that's just me. Um, next question: Salesforce Einstein for Sales Cloud is available at a quote price. Any luck finding out the price? I have no idea what the price is, but I have been told that the prices are somewhat reasonable. Not you know, not like when Wave first came out and they didn't want anyone to use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm at the opinion it's worth exploring. I mean, if if you can get someone to to give you a carrot and say, hey, well, it's a couple bucks a month, then do it. Yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, I feel like is it even I, for sale? I mean, I, I, I feel like we're it, like in low information mode that we, that, you know, we just kind of need to experiment and see what this is going to turn out to, you know, drive the technology, drive, you know, you know, create demand. Well, I agree, but Salesforce isn't. I mean, just with all this new stuff they've done, they're not. They haven't been near as open and forthcoming with stuff as they used to be. It's not. It's not near as accessible. Like I, you know, when I mean, it, I still don't even know if I can get Wave. You remember forever you couldn't get Wave and. um is this other stuff? Is it? Can I can I put it in a dev org and check it out? Can I, you know? I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they've. That's just not a priority for them anymore. You know, it's no, like it's I, like call your sales rep. That's the answer. <laughs> talk to your talk to your sales rep. I, I I guess that's where where you and I have a difference because I have access to all that stuff. I can I can probably call someone up and say, hey, give me Einstein. And that's I, what I just my point. You have to call someone up and say, give me Einstein. You can't you can't go you can't just go to developer.salesforce.com and say, yes, I'm just getting, you know, you have to fill out a lead form nowadays. I mean, now Salesforce, yeah. there's lead forms for everything. Yeah. You're filling out lead forms or 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 calling your sales rep. So, and, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Unless you're Salesforce MVP and then you can call up whoever you want. I guess. <laughs> depending on what they can do for you, you know. No, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. But, but I'm sure you can. I'm, I know but I mean, you get access in, to in terms of previews and, and access to information, you know, there there there's, there's a wealth of information out there. It's just... It, it, well, he's, he's asking about price. What, the what is the price? It's the marketing side of things. This is a, this and, is a and focus even, question, though. And but even with price, it's it's the marketing side of the price. You know, if if you're a big enterprise company, you probably could get it for less. It's it's hard to say what the price is going to be because it. I don't think it's set. To be honest, well, nothing's set. That's why you go out for dinner. 
Well, yeah, you, you, you say, hey, uh, let's, let's talk this over yeah. with some steak and hookers, and then we'll, we'll yeah, talk about it. that's why, price. you know, when your sales rep says, you know, it's 40 grand for wedding, that's when you say, you know, let's go to dinner, and we'll, do, we'll talk about it, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah. Come on. Get a few get a few whiskeys down. And, and I, then, I'm <laughs> interested. I, you know, I think we have a need for this. Let's let's talk this over some dinner. But get, get a steak out of it at the very least. I'll just end this with supposedly uh, it's reasonable pricing, whatever that means. So take it for what it's worth. Okay, last question. Uh, he says, you were considering the dev to app builder conversion exam. Any luck? Uh, anything you recommend a dev to study? I have not even taken a single step on that, so I have no idea. Like I said, I the, only thing, the only thing I know is that if, if you have an existing, I think it's a developer cert, then there is a, a summary uh, exam that you can take, basically a shortened exam, a, an abbreviated, an abridged. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. I, uh, I, I will say for, for a number of months, if not a year, <laughs> I've been considering getting the, the ultimate of, of, of all ultimates technical architect certification from Salesforce. What okay? Have we been but, talking that about about that for about four or five years now? Yeah, yeah. You're actually considering doing it. I I am, but it it's it's a chunk of change. But they, they've changed it too, right? And that's not the same as it used to be. Well, before it they used to be split it up into. Well, they're they're still the ultimate architect certification, but now they've kind of split up smaller versions of it where you can be like a, you know, an integration architect or a you know they they split that up to to different silos basically. Okay. But there still exists this ultimate architect certification that only a handful of people have. And I've considered going for it. And that means, you know, advanced certification, then going through the trials, and then then going up to the board to get that ultimate architect certification. And I, I've wondered if anyone is even interested in that process, interested in me going through that process, because I'm willing to spend the the six grand to say, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna share my experience. Is anyone even interested in that story? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people have. Well, I don't say a lot. I mean, several people have have written up their experiences. You know, mm -hmm. in pretty pretty good details. So that's out there. I mean, I mean, th th there's really no financial gain to me personally to say I'm gonna go and spend six grand to get the certification. There's really no reason for me to do it. But if anyone out there says I want you to go through it and I want your opinion on this process, I will do it. Well, okay. I would like your your opinion on that process, John. <laughs> I'm talking about our community, not you. Yeah. The the Slack, the Good Day Sir community Slack community. Yeah. If, they, if there's if there's an appetite for that story, I will do it. I just I think it's interesting going and standing in front of a the group of people for them to judge you on your architecture skills, and meanwhile, this is the group that brought you the happy soup. You know, <laughs> the enterprise system with thousands of classes in a single namespace. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. With a broken object-oriented you know, type system. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I know architecture and I know, how to, <laughs> I know how you have to bend architecture to work in the Salesforce world. You know, the, all the hideous hacks and workarounds and things. Is that, is that what we're talking about? What are we talking about here? You I, know? I, I don't know. And, and does, does, is it further complicated by solutions like Heroku? Is it is it complicated by, you know, all the acquisitions yeah. they made, like Marketing Cloud and, and uh, I don't know, yeah. I'll, you know, sales, what is it called? Uh, Salesforce uh, Desktop? Is that what it's called? I don't know. The, I, don't, I don't think you have to know, I don't think you have to know like Marketing Cloud and things. I think it's, I think if it's, I think it's largely like Service Cloud and also just probably general software architecture, that, that whole, but that body of knowledge around that. Yeah. 
whatever that entails. Well, I put it to the community. Yeah, and that's one of those things, you, you know, <laughs> understanding software patterns, integration patterns, architectural patterns. Um, and I don't know how much it also gets into the politics of things. That's probably one of the most difficult parts of being an architect. That 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 would be a, a trump card if they pulled politics on me. Yeah, <laughs> at that board meeting. Well, I, I mean, like business politics, not. Yeah, uh, I I know. Okay. I know that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it it because I know there's a board exam where they they throw you a scenario and you're supposed to solution around it and then present that. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see if they threw politics into it. Like they said, uh, yeah, that's great, but I don't want to do that because yeah. I'm, I am a XCCOO and I think that's stupid, so I'm not going to do that. So what do you got for oh, me? Oh, yeah, the business unit leader of this building business unit, he doesn't want you to access that system directly. What do you, you know, how do you work around yeah, that? What do you do? Exactly. Whatever, you know, it's like, okay. Well, yeah. Or, you know, you take him out for, uh, <laughs> for steaks, do you, you know? Am, am I allowed to say, uh, let's go for steaks? For steaks and hookers, and yeah. let's see how that. Let, let's see if I can sway you into do my you, opinion. Do you execute a you know a, a, a phishing attack to tr to get access to his system? You know, <laughs> and put a back door in. <laughs> well, I guess the ultimate question is: Are hacks allowed in this process? Yeah. Well, hacks are required. So. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I'm being honest and genuine. If, if you think that's something you want to hear about or a story you want to see happen. I'm willing to go through that journey to do it. Well, I, I think that's a little ridiculous. I think if you want to do it, you should do it. But I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's going to say, "Oh yeah, I, I want to do it." John, go spend you know 200 hours of your time and six grand because I want to know. No one's going to do that. <laughs> if you want to do it, I'm sure the people who would be interested in the story, but no one's going to come to you and say, "Yeah, I want you to do that for me." There, there are a few people in this audience that. If if they felt that would be valuable, would sway my opinion into doing. I'm sure there are many who would like to hear that story. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if if th there are a few key people who listen to this podcast who, if they, they they said that'd be a story worth hearing about, that I would say I'll do it. I'm telling you, they would. They are saying that. They would say that <laughs> it'd be we're worth hearing about. But still, that's I don't know. That's got to be up to you to do that, though. I don't think I don't think it's fair to for to ask people to well, to ask you to do that. So so I think I think I think the the question on the docket is motivation. What's my what's my motivation? Because there, there's no there's no real financial gain here for me to do this. Is there? You, well, you know, probably if, shouldn't do it then. I mean, the uh, the flattery of a few people is also not no, a good, no, no. not a good enough no, reason no, no, to go no. do it. The, the Good Day Sir podcast community is important to me, and if if they <laughs> if they if they, if they rallied and said, All right. "Do this," I want to hear this story because maybe I want to do it. If, if it sounds like a a good story, maybe I'd do it. But but All right, the, everyone. And we've talked about certifications. Who cares about certifications? Who cares about Salesforce Partners. certifications? Partners. Partners. And so, Salesforce because they keep adding them and increasing the price of them. <laughs> so if, there, if there, there's someone influential, a partner who's influential that says, go for it. Well, if they're going to write you a check for it, then I think you should do it. But if a partner's, you know, that, that would be selfish of them. Oh, yeah, John, go do that for us. We <laughs> We'd love to get us an architect available we, to are, us for free. Are we not a podcast of charity? We do what we do for free. Yeah, something like that. Someone asked, I want, uh, yeah, doesn't matter who it was, but like, hey, do you, um, you get a lot of, you know, people, you get a lot of work through the podcast. I was like, you know what? Hardly, hardly anything. But Hard, we don't, hardly don't, none. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I've, well, I, I mean, yeah. I've had a couple of inquiries, but nothing that actually went anywhere. Really? That's more than I've had. Well, we don't ever, we don't ever really put that out there. 
What wasn't the goal of the podcast? It's not, and, and, and you know, I think feel like the whole time we've done this podcast, you and I stay pretty busy. Yeah. But I, I guess I will put out there, like, if you got an interesting project? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what we do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm just laughing. <laughs> John just, and Jeremy, available for a limited time only. <laughs> Call now <laughs> while just, supplies last. <laughs> I'm just laughing because that's not, that's not really why we started it. We just kind of had these conversations. We're like, and let's. Let's put it out there and see yeah. if anyone's interested in hearing what we yeah. talk about. Right. The curmudgeons of sales. Although at you know, the thing is that at advertising ourselves at two hours and fifteen minutes in, the good the guarantee there is that <laughs> no one is hearing this. <laughs> and to that I say, Good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Those guys are great, aren't they great? They should take a bow.